He looks at the ring, he sees Claire, and she's upset because you didn't tell me you were going on this dangerous mission. And he's like, well, I didn't want you to worry. And if I was Claire, I'd be like, oh yeah, for the extra half hour I didn't know? Yeah. <laughs> I would have figured out, man, like... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode came very quickly to me, um, which is, <laughs> what is your greatest hit? I am so excited had- to hear everyone's answers. <laughs> So in the same vein, this is not my official answer, but in the same vein as Charlie's number one greatest hit, um, the day that I met my dog was extremely important to me yeah. and life-changing. But I think that the first thing that came to mind for, like, my highest high uh-huh. was closing night of The Mystery of Edwin Drood when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I literally played Edwin Drood. I was literally the main character. I get to sing the big solo at the end of the show and closing night everyone's applauding it's a standing ovation i'm standing Mm -hmm. in the middle of the stage belting my heart out that's it that's incredible beautiful my greatest hit i love that that's absolutely amazing my name is casey wall i'm a 25 year old writer from rhode island i like sapphic ships and making astrological charts for fictional characters you can follow me on twitter at casey watches tv or at lf candle co where i make pop culture inspired candles and also this just in well since the last podcast i have created an out of context Dimension 20 Twitter, because (laughs) just like Lost, Robin has me hooked. So check that out. My greatest hit sounds cliche, but it is unequivocally Disney World 2019 with with Robin and Sam and Brittany, our friend Chris, Brittany's sister Lindsay. Uh, Our friend Claire was there for a few days with us. Just any time I think about like the absolute happiest I have ever been, it is that trip. Yeah, Sam and Brittany got engaged. I had a like (laughs) transformative experience on flight of passage where i was just so moved that i was just <laughs> sobbing there's i still have videos of you crying there's video footage of this yeah it's literally just the happiest i've ever been and i'm just so grateful to have people in my life who can make me that happy so um yeah oh that's really sweet Casey. I, I just i just really love you guys and i also really love disney yeah <laughs> hey ditto yeah, same. <laughs> Amazing. Also, that's the first time I've heard your bio, and it's so cute! Aw, thanks! It took me a very, very long time to come up with those one, two, three sentences. Yeah. I love them. They're perfect. Thank you! And you've heard from her already, but uh, <laughs> this episode, our guest is Sam! Yay! 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 My name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 29-year-old news editor at Collider. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's, where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My greatest hit, I'm sure that Robin and Casey have already guessed it, but it's gotta be marrying Brittany on our balcony on the most summer day of October in the history of summery October days on Halloween last year. Hell yeah. Absolutely. I literally said to Casey... (laughs) Yeah, I literally said to Casey, I was like, if I had to guess, this is what Sam's going to say. And I just (laughs) want to say, I was right. Uh, Yeah, 
I was like, mm, that's what I think too. My second guess was gonna be um just like your move to Vancouver in general, but mm-hmm. but I thought that would maybe be like your number two, but your number one, I had a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Was um the marriage. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was very grateful that Robin didn't ask me to come up with a full top five because I don't mm-hmm. know if I yeah. that's too much pressure. <laughs> oh, so much pressure. Especially after the couple years that we've recently had, I'm just like, uh I can't think of one good thing that's ever happened. I don't know. <laughs> My problem was thinking of too many good things. Oh, oh I love that for you. <laughs> no, good. That's great. That is a very good problem to have. <laughs> I was texting Robin last night right after she told me that this was going to be our fun fact. And I was like, I mean, good things have happened. But Robin put it best. She said that she doesn't think that her greatest hit now is her greatest hit forever. And I was like, yes, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like I just haven't... There's more to come. I, I feel like there are good... Exactly. Good things coming that are going to be, like, in the top five for sure. They're going to be greater. Greater. Greater hits. <laughs> yeah. Greater hits. Yeah. Greater hits. Volume two. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We've had you on twice before. Yeah, I think Once twice. for each season. Yeah. And then I think we also had you on for the round table in season one. Oh, yeah. As well. Like so a we, billion years ago. <laughs> yeah. But you guys also might know Sam because she's a co-host on many other aficionados podcasts due to us Indeed. living together um, and her also <laughs> being married to uh, the other founding member of the Fictionados, Brittany. <laughs> so we get to record in the same room together, which yeah. is very exciting. It's it's nice to be able to look at a face when you're mm-hmm. speaking as well. And uh, sit on our very, very comfy couch together. Yes, <laughs> that sounds really great. I wish I was there. The cl- There's a spot <laughs> literally for you just right there. The closest. I'm the closest. Closest? The closest I can get <laughs> is staring at my um my my various stickers by Britney. I've got Janeway staring back at me. So it's like, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of there mentally, you know. You're there in spirit. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so can you tell us about since even though we have had you on before, will you tell us about your relationship with the show, etc.? Sure, sure, sure. Um I binge watched it over uh, the course of a couple months in like I want to say 2016 2015 like the that December to January Mm -hmm. is basically when I watched it because unfortunately I watched it after watching uh the first two seasons well the first one and a half seasons of the (laughs) hundred and then I was like wow this guy I really should get around to that that one show Mm -hmm. um and then it was uh it was great I binge watched it and messaged Brittany like the whole time I was watching it and I've seen mm, several of the episodes multiple times but I've only ever watched it all the way through the one the one time and uh I think it's uh one of the best tv shows that has ever happened yes and I my favorite characters would probably be I really love Desmond and Penny and I love uh Juliet and Hurley and Saeed. I used to also rank Kate very highly, but unfortunately, Evangeline Lilly's behavior has um, tanked that a little bit, just in retrospect. Um, I'm sure if I rewatched the show, I would still like Kate mm-hmm. as a character, but uh, looking at her face makes me angry now. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, I hate when that happens. Which sucks. It's so yeah. it's so sucky. It's so sucky. Yeah. Kate and, doesn't like, deserve to have an actor like that, you know? <laughs> I feel like also the problem is, like, she still looks very similar to how she looked as Kate. Mm. And Ian, when he made me mad, didn't really look like Desmond anymore. Mm. So I can still enjoy Desmond somehow. Yeah. (laughs) I also now 
have rewatched Bates Motel since uh, the last time I watched Lost, and I think I I was watching Bates Motel while it was airing when I binged watched Lost. So I also now have a newfound love for Richard Alpert. Yeah, I think those are most of my favorite characters. I like all of the the. There's very few characters on Lost that I don't like, mm-hmm. and I won't tell you which ones right now because yeah. I don't want to make anyone sad. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. I would like you to tell me Perfect. who they are off the record. Like, just send me a quick text. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so before we get started, uh, just like last episode, we wanted to make a really quick announcement at the top of this podcast as we approach the end of season three, aka literally next episode is the first part of the finale. Oof. Uh, for anyone watching along with us for the first time, the first part of the part two season three finale, aka next episode, is going to feature spoilers for both parts of the finale, um, because it's kind of hard to talk about without knowing the twist at the end of part two. Uh, and so if you are watching along with us for the first time, uh, watch both pieces of the finale before listening to next episode, which is part one of the finale. Yes. If that makes sense. Thank you so much. Today we have words to say about episode 321 of Lost, Greatest Hits. Yes, Greatest Hits. So uh, obviously it is a term for like a musician's term and uh, like uh, albums, music and stuff. Obviously they are, it is said in a couple times in the episode and uh, Charlie himself is a musician. So it's a very, very good title for what is... Mm, I think I can say this because of what has happened previously through the season. Uh-huh. What is the last Charlie episode? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's so good. It's just like, it's so simple yeah. and I just love it. And I love the the mm-hmm. entire concept because it's like, uh, I don't know. Go on. Yeah. I mean, can you say that with the ending of this episode? Because like, because it's not what they expect down there. Do you think that? Yeah, I think I think I still can because like Desmond has said multiple times, like if he doesn't die this way, he will just die this way. Okay. And so we're we're not getting out of this season without <laughs> with Charlie, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. The broadcast date was May 16th, 2007. It was written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Listen, Eddie and Adam get flack for a lot of things mm-hmm. uh including once upon a time in which we have a <laughs> once upon a time actor in this episode well we have um, multiple once upon a time true, actors that is in this true that is true but you know and writing expose and everything which we have spoken about at length actually is genius mm-hmm. um but you know i forget that eddie and adam have written bangers such as this one so good for them yeah, that's fair. What a, what a diverse portfolio. Yes, true. <laughs> uh, and it was directed by Stephen Williams, who is uh, basically the secondary main director to Jack Bender. Nice. We are going to cover this episode chronologically for pretty obvious reasons, I think. And I believe Casey did the first half of the recap. I sure did. Wonderful. I did the second half of the recap. And I think that we'll probably just uh, do both of our recaps here just to jog everybody's memory. Cool. Um, yeah, my my summary is a little lengthy, but there were just so many like small, intricate moments. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a lot of things happened. And I want to make sure I got them all. So... <clears throat> Buckle up. (laughs) Click. We open with our long lost friend Carl making a mad dash from Hydra Island before cutting to Jack leading our island friends on a trek to an undisclosed location. He gathers them all together to come clean and explain what Ben has been having Juliet do. Jack calls out to Rousseau, who I guess was just patiently waiting behind a bush for her stage (laughs) cue, and we learn what she needed dynamite for back in the brig as she demonstrates a large explosion that she wired up. Jack says that when Juliet told him the others were coming, he didn't want to hide again. He wants to fight back now that they have the advantage of being prepared, hence why he recruited Rousseau for help. He plans to, and I quote, blow them all to hell. Sure, Jack. In a flashback, 
<laughs> Iconic, honestly. <laughs> in a flashback, we meet up with Charlie and Liam getting after getting a flat tire on their band van in the pouring rain. They start fighting about a gig that Charlie thinks is a waste of time because clearly their band isn't working out. They have no fans, no money, and no offers for bigger gigs. Right as he's saying they should throw in the towel, one of their bandmates turns up the radio in the car, and what do you know? It's you all, everybody! They all rejoice and celebrate, and we cut to Charlie in the present, writing on a piece of paper reflecting on this memory of the first time he heard himself on the radio. Naomi comes up to Charlie, and the two begin chatting, and Charlie beams as he tells me. Na- as Naomi tells him that he was a huge deal when the wreckage of Flight 815 was found. His mood quickly changes, though, as he catches a glimpse of Desmond staring morosely at Charlie. But I'm sure that's nothing to worry about. I'm like, stop looking at him like that. (laughs) Stop it, why? I find Charlie, I'd be so uncomfortable all the time. Why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) Next, we see Juliet, Jack, and Rousseau prepping some dynamite rigs around the camp. Saeed comes up to them and says he has an idea to use Naomi's phone to communicate with her boat, and thinks he can do it if if he removes Rousseau's message that's playing from the communication tower. But Juliet reveals this won't work because there is an underwater Dharma station blocking all signals except their own. But it doesn't seem like that's going to stop Saeed. At Charlie and Claire's tent, Claire expresses her worry that the others could be coming for Aaron again. Charlie assures her that he will protect them and Claire believes him. Desmond interrupts and asks to speak with Charlie alone. The two walk off and Desmond reveals the flash he had. He says he saw Claire and Aaron on a helicopter that lifts off from the island and leaves. Charlie is relieved, thinking this means they're all going to be rescued. But there is a catch. The only way the rescue happens is if Charlie dies. Big yikes. Yikes. We jump to another flashback of Charlie, this time while he's a young boy at the pool with, and his father is trying to teach him how to swim. Charlie's afraid to jump into the water, but with a leap of faith, jumps in on his own and celebrates with his dad. In the present, Charlie writes down this memory on his list. Desmond comes and sits next to Charlie, and Charlie insists that Desmond tell him how he dies. He hesitates, but as Charlie presses on, he gives in. In his flash, he saw Charlie inside a room full of equipment. Charlie flicks a switch, and then he drowned. We cut to Saeed, Jack, and Juliet looking over blueprints for the underwater Dharma communication station, The Looking Glass. Juliet says that there was an incident and the station was flooded, but Saeed thinks there's still a way to get to the transmission switch by swimming down to it. Charlie overhears this and instantly volunteers, but Jack refuses. We get a super cute aside with Rose schooling Bernard on how to tie a knot, but <laughs> before cutting to Jin and Sun. Jin knows Sun is hiding something from him, and Sun tells him about the night Juliet took her to the staff station, but she doesn't reveal that she went along so she could find out who the father was. On the beach, Carl finally arrives in a panic. He's tackled by Saeed, but it's okay because Sawyer comes to the rescue. Carl says that his people are coming, and Sawyer tells him, we already know that, but Carl's people aren't coming tomorrow night. They're coming right now. Incredible. <laughs> we cut to the other's camp six hours from when Carl arrived at the other island. Ben re- returns from, oh yeah, shooting John Locke? He claims that Locke had an accident and that Jacob wants them all to invade the survivor's camp tonight instead of tomorrow night. Richard warns that Juliet may not know who all the pregnant women are yet, so Ben says they'll just take all the women. That's neat. Yikes. Alex hears this and takes off to find Carl. She tells him to go warn the survivors on the beach, and so he does. Carl brings everyone up to speed at, and the camp discusses what they should do. It's decided that Charlie and Desmond will go out to the looking glass, three shooters will stay and fight, and everyone else will go to the radio tower. The end. Perfect. And now, more speaking. So, in Charlie's number three memory, he is in a hotel in Helsinki with two women. Liam comes in and wishes him a Merry Christmas. He gives him their family heirloom, a ring with DS on it. It was their great-grandfather's. He says Charlie is more likely to have a family, so he should take it to pass it down. On the island, Charlie goes over to Claire, who's upset that he didn't tell her that he was doing something dangerous. They kiss goodbye before he goes. In his number two memory, Charlie is busking singing Wonderwall when it starts to rain. He packs up and sees a woman getting mugged in an alley. He attacks the mugger, saving the woman. Turns out, it's Nadia! We love character connections. (laughs) 
She tells Charlie that he's a hero because three other people just walked by. On the island, Desmond makes a weight belt for the mission. Elsewhere, Bernard proves to Saeed that he could be one of their marksmen. Rose is understandably worried. Jack tells her why she can't stay behind. Saeed tells Jack that Saeed will be staying and Jack needs to lead everyone to the radio tower. By the shore, Hurley approaches Charlie and Desmond and asks if he can come with them. The only excuse that Charlie could come up with was that Hurley was too big to come on the boat. Hurley is obviously hurt by this, so Charlie apologizes and they tell each other that they love each other. In a series of small scenes, Jack learns that Jin is the third person staying behind and we see that Charlie left his ring in Aaron's crib. In Charlie's number one memory, he meets Claire on the first night of the crash. He comforts her about them getting rescued and they introduce themselves. Back in the present day, Charlie asks Desmond to give his list of his favorite memories to Claire. Desmond offers to go down instead. Maybe his flashes were telling him that he was meant to take Charlie's place. Charlie knows that's not true, so he knocks Des out with an oar. Charlie makes his way down and finds that the station is not actually flooded. Charlie celebrates being alive, but then two women rush out of a room with guns on him. Yikes. Dun dun dun. A plot twist. A cliffhanger. All in one. <laughs> Crazy. Fantastic. All right, let's get started here. So the first thing we see is Carl running through the jungle and he's heading over to the other island. But then I realized, no, because he is on the original island. So he's going around the island, I think. Oh. Like he's getting on the outrigger to go around. Oh, well, that's right. He's not on Hydra Island. Yeah, because it wouldn't make sense if he was going over to Hydra Island because no one's over there right now. Oh, so they're all just on the same island. Yeah. And they're just on the other side of it. Yeah. And so I think Alex tells him later. So if is, you it, take faster, the boat, is faster. it faster on the boat than yes. walking across the yes. ice? Yes. Ah. Okay, yeah. I thought that they were all coming via boat when mm-hmm. I rewatched it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, they're leaving right? Okay. Well, all right. I don't know. They're going to see him out there like, <laughs> hello? What is that? doing? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jack brings a few people, not everybody, but most of the main cast. I was so confused by this group of people. Like, why is Claire there? Yeah, exactly. Well, I was also like, if both Charlie and Claire are here, where's the baby? Oh, he's probably (laughs) with Sun. Oh, wait, Sun is also here? Where's your child? I was literally also thinking, I was like, who's got the, all right, all right, then. It was very confused. Yeah. Is, is Rose there? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think Rose is there. Maybe, okay, so maybe Rose Maybe he's with Rose. Yeah. So Charlie talks about how he wishes everything didn't have to be a secret. And they're like, well, we kept Naomi a secret. And he's like, yeah, you know, that was, that that's true, but that was different. And Claire's like, how? And he's like, oh, because we're not best friends with the others now. Like our actual enemies. It's not like Naomi was did bad things to us or right. anything. And he also says that uh, Jack was playing football with them. And I was like, um, Charlie, you're English. Should you not be saying American football? Wow. <laughs> But I guess he was speaking to Hurley, so he just said football. So, and, but, and he was referring to, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's an, it's an accident. Yeah. That's probably a writing mistake. Yeah. That, um. Dominic. That Dominic didn't, didn't catch. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it was soccer, I would super call that out. Yeah. Like, if he had said soccer, I'd be like, mm-hmm. sir. So Desmond's having a flash and Charlie notices that, but Desmond's like, oh, what? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing that right yeah. now. Like, mind your business. He's like, I. Desmond's like, I can tell that you can tell that you know <laughs> that I have Flash, but I don't want to talk about it right now, so I'm just going to say that I didn't. I'm going to tell you that I didn't because I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's a secret. So Jack explains what Juliet told him, and Kate's like, what the heck? You were doing, like, pregnancy tests on us? And Juliet was like, no, I wasn't. I was supposed to, but I didn't. But, but I didn't. I did not. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. She's like, anyway, they're all coming tomorrow. Son, I'm really sorry I lied to you. An extremely genuine apology from Juliet. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Extremely genuine. Sure. So Saeed, of course, ever the realist. Hey, that's real nice, but why am I here? <laughs> what am I doing here? How- Absolutely iconic. <laughs> Saeed's like, like from the bottom you- of my heart, what is this about? <laughs> Saeed's like, have you brought us all out here to kill us? What are we doing here? <laughs> We're all just walking in a line to our deaths. I respect a man who gets to the point, you know? Yeah. So Jack calls for Russo and she basically just comes out to blow up a tree. I'm sorry, but this is so performative. <laughs> yeah. S- extremely. Extremely. Every... Every time I see this part, I'm like, you, congratulations, you have just wasted a bunch of both your dynamite and, like, I assume your wire. Mm-hmm. Real shame that y'all did this, because you could have just set it up real quick with, uh, what happens later. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm like, y'all are on a deserted island, you have a limited amount of dynamite, and you're wasting it doing a presentation. <laughs> <laughs> this, this could have been an email. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack's like... <laughs> Jack's like, I want. I was wondering, like, where should we hide? What should we do? But that's not going to stop them. So I got Rousseau's help. And so for the first time, we know their plan. Juliet's going to mark the tents like she's supposed to, but instead there will be dynamite inside. So, like, when they pull up the blankets instead of people, uh, it'll be just dynamite, <laughs> I guess. Like, the... <laughs> The concept of luring them in there like that and then blowing up the tent while they're in there, mm-hmm. it's a very good idea, but it it seems a little ridiculous after you've just wasted a bunch of dynamite. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's funny that, like, I imagine, like, you know, like, children sneaking out in the night. They're just like, I just put a bunch of clothes in there and my parents thought I was in there when they looked in my room. Except it's just a bunch of dynamite. <laughs> so this is why we saw Rousseau going into the Black Rock for dynamite in the brig. It was very unclear why she was there and why she was collecting dynamite. And mm-hmm. now we know. Oh, it was so random. Yeah. So he's like, we're going to kill them all. And honestly, it's a pretty iconic moment. But also like coming from a doctor, you're just like, do no harm, sir. (laughs) Have you heard of it? Uh, It really is. It's like, I know that we don't like the others. And Mm -hmm. I know that the alternative is that they kill us. But it's a bit extreme. Yeah. (laughs) Just a little bit. Especially like for Jack being like, well, I was, you are right. I was playing football with my sweet friend Friendly and I hope not to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, he kept this information from everyone. He thought about Mm. what should I do with this information? And his best idea is, "Mm, we we blow him up. It's like, Jack, I think you should get a few more maybe heads like thinking about this. (laughs) I know he's like, I haven't figured out what I want to do about it. Well, maybe if you brought it up to a couple more people, you guys could have thought of a better plan. Yeah, you could have uh, workshopped this mm-hmm. a little, but okay. When Juliet told me they were coming, the first thing I thought was, where the hell are we going to hide this time? Hiding's pointless. They're just going to keep coming back. So I went out and I found some help. And for the past few days, she's been bringing dynamite back from the Black Rock. For the very first time, we know exactly what they want, when they're coming to get it, and they have no idea. And we're going to be waiting for him. So Juliet's going to mark the tents with the white rocks just like she was told to. But there's not going to be any pregnant women inside. There's going to be plenty of what we just used on that tree. So tomorrow night, we stop hiding. We stop running. We stop living in fear of them. Because when they show up, we're going to blow them all to hell. So we move into Charlie's number five memory. Have rain pouring down. Rain, of course, being an important uh, theme of the show. Broken down van. And when they're turning the volume, the volume is at 23. Oh, 
Um, Smooth. Mm-hmm. Nice catch. Uh, Charlie and Liam are trying to fix the flat tire. And may I just say, hey, other two band members of Drive Shaft. Uh, Get out of the car? <laughs> yeah, you guys want to, like, help? Or? If he's trying to change the tire, which I didn't realize is exactly what they're doing, yeah. Why are they in the car? Yeah. If he's... I didn't, like, wasn't watching closely enough mm-hmm. to see if he has it on a jack. But uh, I don't know for sure. I don't think so. How is he expecting get to get? To All get I the remember tire off? is him having like the the one wrench that looks like an X. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we'd have to like look closer. But yeah, you're not gonna get it out from under the weight of the if car. People are in uh, it. if people are both in it and you don't have the the car up on a jack. Mm-hmm. I've changed many tires in my yeah. life. Good <laughs> for you. I certainly have not. So I did not look. <laughs> yeah. Um. Generally, you need to like elevate the side of the car mm-hmm. because the weight of the car even like prevents you from getting the tire. Even like, how about those two get out, hold the the other, the one side of the car up so that everything is easier. Hmm? Yeah. But these two are like, ah, sorry, I'm on DJ duty. Sorry. (laughs) Like, I know we need people in the car to hear the radio, but still. Yeah. So Charlie, of course, is feeling defeated about this. On Lostpedia, it was mentioned that Driveshaft's van has a vanity plate. It is Y-R-E-2-O-L. And you're... And I guess it's meant to be read as you're too old. Oh. I don't know why. Like, you know that that the show did it on purpose, but I don't know what they're trying to say with that. Can I, can you tell me what it says again? Y-R-E, you're too, Uh and then O-L. So you're too old is how it it says it's meant to be read like that. However, if you put it backwards, Mm -hmm. L-O-2-E-R-Y spells lottery. Oh. But that's a Hurley thing. So I'm not 100% sure what the deal is here. Interesting. You're too old. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like, the only thing I can think of is, like, it's a punk band, and they're just like, you wouldn't get it because you're too old. But I don't know why you would choose that (laughs) as, like, your license plate. Why would your license plate not say drive shaft if you're going to have a vanity plate? Yeah. Like, D-R-V-S-F-T? S-H-F. Drive shaft. I don't know. But anyway, I thought that was kind of like a weird choice because you know that they did it on purpose. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what they were trying to say with it. Yeah. Um. So Liam is being optimistic and he's still happy that they're headlining something. And he's like, no, we're not. We're playing in a random ass town. <laughs> and Liam's like, whatever. It's a gig and we're building our fan base here. And he's like, okay, will that fan base help us get a new tire? And he's like, perhaps they will if we show up. So let us keep working on this. Can fan base call triple A? Yeah. <laughs> So Charlie is giving up and you can see like the, on his jacket, he has a patch of a cross that reminds us that he's a religious person. Uh-huh. He says, I, I'm, I'm giving up or like, you can't give up. And he's like, I, I, there's nothing for us to give up on. We have no money. Our album sucks. <laughs> well, our album doesn't suck, but our album is not successful. No one cares about it. <laughs> but then the driver notices that you all, everybody is playing on the radio. So they're all like cheering and celebrating. And it was certainly fate, I think, that it was playing at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a higher power type of coincidence that he was oh, like, I sure. give up. And as soon as he says, I give up, that's when it happens. Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So Liam says, we're going to be rock stars. All their dreams are coming true. It's beautiful. There was a lost on location for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam, who's one of the writers, said it was very important to them when they were writing the episode that they had moments with... Liam, because Liam outside of the island is the most important relationship that Charlie had. So that makes sense. Uh, I want to say, yeah, three out of five of them, uh, Liam was in them. So that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good reason or a good balance. Yeah. So yeah, he's starting his list. And number five is the first time I heard myself on the radio. 
He holds his pen so weird. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I always pay attention to because as a child, I never held my pen the proper way that you were supposed to hold it. Okay. Um, and I actually have a bump on my ring finger on my right hand. I because, do too. Yeah, because I never held my hand or held my pen properly. Because people think it's, it's like the first three. And I'm like, no, I need two to balance it. Exactly. If I use the first three, then there's no, I have no power in my first three yeah. fingers, you know? It's like so. Do I? Like, do I hold I need, pens wrong? He, uh, Charlie definitely holds it in a completely different way than I have I, ever seen. How are you supposed to hold it? But I always hold my hand, hold my pen differently. And I always notice that the people who hold their pen differently are usually artists. Mm. Um, like, you know, friends when I was in high school, we held our pens differently because, like, they were, like, art type people. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I saw somebody on TikTok who was an artist who held it in a completely different way than I've ever seen. It was completely weird and of course Dominic holds it in a different way so I just like I always pay attention to when people don't totally hold their pens in yeah. the right way yeah I just thought it was interesting I guess hmm. I don't well, did you Casey, figure it out how do you hold, hold your pen no I'm googling it I don't think I hold pens the right way <laughs> no I never have this is news to me so Naomi comes over and asks who they're going to war with and he's like um it's a long story can you ask me another question instead and she thinks that he's making fun of her but he's like no I just don't want to talk about it right now it's literally <laughs> three seasons worth of stuff it's it's a lot but then he clocks that they're both from manchester and he name drops a bar in the city um on lastpedia it said the night and day cafe which charlie mentions as the venue for drive shaft's first show is a real music venue in manchester uk it primarily showcases up and coming or student acts oh that's actually really cute yeah and also it's called night and day because it's like a black and white thing oh dark and light oh okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so she's like oh what band do you have and he was like, oh, drive shaft. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I know what that is. And he's like, uh, you probably don't. It's it's okay. I just wanted to say the character development in this scene is very prevalent because yeah. he used to be like, drive shaft's the most interesting thing about me. And <laughs> that's actually the best uh, band in the whole world. And we are still a band. And now he feels like there are like other things to be. And it's, yeah. it's okay if you don't know who we are. Exactly. So she's like, no, no, no. They made a huge deal about the dead rock star after the crash. There was a new album. And he's like, wait. There's a new, like, without me? They did it without me. Yeah, buddy, to <laughs> tribute you, because you're dead. And she's like, no, no, it was greatest hit. So, like, I guess they didn't re-record anything. <laughs> they, yeah, probably. I mean, like, they, they probably, I assume they put most of their greatest hits just on there as the original track. Yeah. And then they probably recorded You All Everybody or, like, some emotional song. Yeah. Oh, an uh, as a tri- version of yeah, You All Everybody. As a tribute to yeah. Charlie. I love that idea. Um, I also, like, cannot help but think about Liam because, you know, we see him so many times in this episode. Yeah. We see him in three different memories. But, like, imagine the very last time you see your brother, he comes to you and says, let's get the band back together. You say no. He gets on a plane and dies. Yeah. Not great. Devastated. Absolutely devastated. Heartbroken. Especially after he just blamed him for, like, all his problems. Yeah, exactly. So I just, like, I can't help but think of Liam. And listen, Liam's certainly not perfect. He does some really terrible things to Charlie. But, man, I can't imagine, like, having that interaction and then having that be the last thing. And then mm-hmm. and then after Charlie dies, be like, okay, let's do the thing that he wanted us to do. Yeah. But Charlie is so happy to hear that the band really did kind of come back together, which is yeah. awesome. And I'm like, that's awesome. But like, they only had the one hit. So like, <laughs> what else was even on the album? Yeah, I'm like, how do you... It was just a bunch of remixes. It's just all different. How do you all greatest everybody's... hits a one hit wonder? Yeah. Like... There was a Diplo remix. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Because 
that? There was an acoustic version. Yeah, Calvin Harris did a rendition. Yeah. I'm sitting here trying to like think of any one hit wonders. You don't you don't remember one hit wonders yeah. past a single They song. don't have greatest like, hits. They, they only they have just, one. Yeah. Yeah. They only have greatest hit. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> greatest hit. It's just sixteen covers of, of you all everybody. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So he sees Desmond, and Desmond's just, like, awkwardly staring at him from across the beach. And I'd be like, that's enough, man. Amazing. So Naomi's like, well, you're not actually dead, so that's good. And he's like, Haha, okay, even though he knows that he's marked for death by Desmond already, that he's like, yeah, I'm not dead. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So we see Jack and Juliet placing the dynamite. And you know what? I guess the two surgeons that we have here are the perfect, like, level-handed people to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So Rousseau says that they need some more wire. And so Jack's like, okay, we'll get people to strip the plane wreckage, which is down on a different part of the beach that we never see anymore. Mm-hmm. So there, he's like, yep, some people went and did that for sure. He is very confident that he can get people to do stuff after being a huge jerk. Extremely, yeah. extremely hmm. confident. Yeah. It's a bit, I mean, well, that's a man for you. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Just another decision of a man. Yeah. Jack's like, well, it's for the good of the group, so everyone will do it, even if they hate me. <laughs> Russo says that they are good and on track to be ready for tomorrow night. Unfortunately, they need to be ready tonight. Yikes. So Saeed approaches Jack and wants to talk about the sat phone, and Jack's like, mm, not now, Saeed. The disrespect. Yeah. Like- the absolute disrespect. And Saeed's like, fine, be mad that I doubted you. Like, I'll say sorry sure. later, but right now there are more important things for us to deal with. And he's like, I'm busy right now, Saeed. And Saeed's like, do you want to get off this island or not? And so Jack's like, oh, fine, and listens. Saeed is so valid in this moment. Oh, for sure. This whole episode. Saeed is valid yeah. in pretty much all moments. Oh, yeah. I would say. It's true. Especially this episode. He really puts Jack in his place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So he's like, okay, we can't transmit because of Danielle's distress message. I can go to the radio tower and turn it off. And Rousseau says, it's been playing for 16 years and no one has heard it. So what makes you think that people will hear yours now? Right. And he's like, well, Naomi's boat is 80, is only 80 miles away. So probably they will hear it then. And I'm like, well, would they well, not would hear, they hear Rousseau's? also hear Rousseau's? Yeah. Like, what's the big difference? Like, yeah. It would make more sense if they were like, no, we need to turn it off and boost the signal. Right. Yes. That mm-hmm. would It's true. That would make more sense. So Juliet's like, okay, actually, I have the actual answer. Nobody hears anything because uh, the others are jamming it. And I thought it was interesting that she said we're jamming it. So it's interesting that she's still using we in regards to the others. Mm. Yeah. Because there's obviously like there's she's already shifting. Mm -hmm. but She's not over that line yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's very torn on how to identify. And she also knows that everyone else sees her as one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't see her as part of their group. Yeah. So Rousseau is standing right there. If I was Rousseau, I would be absolutely livid. I'd be like, 16 years. That has been playing for 16 years and not one person has heard it. Yeah. Cool. I'd be so mad. Mm-hmm. Hella pissed. So she says one of the Dharma stations is blocking it so that only the messages that we want to get out, get out. And it's called the Looking Glass. It's underwater, though, so I and I don't even know where it is. But Saeed remembers the giant wire from 109, and we've been seeing it multiple times. Um, and I've been saying throughout the past few episodes, they've been bringing it back in a really, like, lovely and organic way to remind us that it's there before they needed it in this episode, which I thought was really mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. So Claire is not sure about Jack's plan. She's working that Aaron is being taken again, but Charlie vows to protect them. And I'm like, you are so small. I'm not sure how you would do that. <laughs> 
so Desmond comes over and asks for Charlie's help, and Charlie, of course, says yes. And he's like, okay, bye. And they all, like, sort of, like, smile at Claire, and I'm just like, excuse me, Claire knows the deal. It's been half a season since Claire learned that Desmond thinks that Charlie is going to die. Yeah. Like, you guys don't have to, like, skirt around this around her. Mm-hmm. You know? I thought it was kind of weird that they were like, well, hey, Claire, uh... But I guess the Flash was No, they're, they're weird about it because they know that this time is final. Yeah. Oh, right, that's it's, true. It's, uh... Or Desmond does. Yeah, or Desmond believes that this time is final. Mm -hmm. So that I feel like that's why they're weird about it. Because, Mm -hmm. like, if they address it and have to talk to her about it and, like, reveal that, she's going to be distraught. Yeah. Especially, also, the Flash included her, too. Yeah. So it's like, but Desmond could have made it less weird by being like, hey, Charlie, um, I saw a thing and I need you to not be standing there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Desmond is ready to tell him what he saw before. He saw Claire and Aaron getting into a helicopter leaving the island. And he's like, are you sure it is this island on this beach? Yes. He's like, no, they went to Fiji after they got rescued. And that's the one that I saw. (laughs) So he's like, oh my God, we're getting rescued. Okay. I thought I was going to die. And he's like. About that. Uh, Um, Yeah. Follow up to my previous. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen unless you're dead. So this time you have to die. Like, I'm really sorry. And I like that Desmond doesn't even give him the option. Like, he knows that Charlie is going to be like, okay, to save Claire and Aaron, this is going to be it. Oh, yeah. He doesn't just like, so maybe you're going to want to die this time. (laughs) I think Jakina does a really good job in this moment where, like, the music is very, very hopeful until Charlie learns that. And then it changes quite a lot. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. And I have to say, Dominic's, like, variations in, like, his facial expressions, like, as he's going mm-hmm. through all these various highs and lows, like, are very astute. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, when his face was, like, beaming when Naomi was like, oh, yeah, you're you're the de- rock star who died. Everyone's talking about you. And then he sees Desmond looking at him and, like, on a dime, he's like, um... Mm, this is a little sus good stuff so in the fourth memory uh the paces are at the pool and uh this is little little jeremy shada or little jeremy shada i can't remember how to how to pronounce uh his last name i can't remember also if i edited this out of last episode or not but my sister used to have a big crush on jeremy shada but this kid is now 25 wow and you can see him in julian the phantoms and he plays music and it's pretty good. Good for him. As far as I can tell, he's a pretty good kid. Yeah. All right. Pretty good kid. He's two years younger than me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So his dad wants him to jump in and he promises to catch him. On the loss on location, uh, they said, notice the pattern that most of the memories have something to do with family, which I had mentioned before. Yes. The only other time that we see Mr. Pace, their dad, is in Fire and Water and it's in A Nightmare. And we see that he's like a creepy butcher. And that's kind of all we know about him. Mm-hmm. I was gonna uh, say, like, I saw, like, the scene happened, and I was like, "Oh, cute. And then I was like, wait, have, uh, where has Charlie's dad been his whole life? Yeah, exactly. Like, I guess, you know, we had seen that he really cared for his mom, and we hadn't seen, and this is the last Charlie episode, so they were like, we have to show that he also had a pretty good relationship with his dad. Mm. So Charlie is not sure because he thinks that he's just going to back away. Here's the interesting thing, though. Mm-hmm. And I also have a dad that would just, that would prank me like this. But I think it is telling, just with these few lines, 
that this child thinks that his father is trying to trick him. Yeah. That's, you know? Yeah. That's not great. He says, like, you're just gonna back up. Like, clearly he has done that in the past. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm saying that as a person whose dad would definitely also prank me like that. I'm just saying that it's telling in this Yeah. Ways. It's like, his dad plays a lot of, like, cruel pranks yeah. on him. Which I think is interesting. And he says that he will, but Liam says that he won't. And it's just interesting because the dad is being played so genuinely. Like, of course I will, do, I will. Do we, like, know more about his relationship with his dad from previous episodes? Or is this all we get? The only time that we've seen him was in a nightmare in Fire and Water. We didn't even see his face. We just know that he's a butcher. And we saw him, like, really scarily, like, chopping meat. And then it became, like, chopping the heads off dolls and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and that's genuinely all that we've seen of him. And because of uh, his fate, we don't really learn a lot more later either, do we? No. This is, there's literally those yeah. two scenes that we've ever seen him. That's interesting. Like, I mean, not, not seeing him physically even, mm-hmm. but just like hearing about his relationship via Charlie. I don't believe their so. Relationship via they Charlie. mostly, they mostly talk about their mom. Okay. Cause yeah, it's. It's an interesting, like, way to interpret it if you, if we find out that his dad was, like, just funny or actually terrible. (laughs) Okay, let's see here. Simon Pace was his name. Episode count two. He was a butcher. He worked as a butcher and vehemently disapproved of Charlie and Liam's musical careers. Okay, so, Um, It it's says, not a positive. Yeah, it says he was a loving father, although he was relatively rough in their childhoods. Hmm. Simon took it upon himself to teach Charlie how to swim, which we're seeing now. I say, I think he seems like a dad who occasionally, because of like generational trauma, uh, doesn't know how to respond when he's angry at his children and yeah. probably responded very poorly. And I think that overall, their relationship probably just got worse from that and then yeah. until he disapproved of their music career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I'm looking at the trivia on the Lostpedia page for Simon and it says, this is, okay, so it, his gruesome actions in the dream sequence pay homage to the censored Beaters, Beatles album cover art for Yesterday and Today in which the Beatles were seen as butchers cutting the heads off dolls. So that was a reference in Fire and Water. That was the reference that they were making. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also says in an episode in the future, no spoilers, I'll make it very vague, that there is a store in Los Angeles that is a featured store called Simon's Butcher Shop. Okay. There's no evidence that this shop has any direct link to Simon Pace and that it's in a completely different country. Mm. So, uh, but I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I would ever get around to looking at that again uh, when we got to that scene in the future. So yeah. I just wanted to mention it. So I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the kid who plays Liam is Jeremy Shada's or Shada's actual brother. So they're actually played by brothers, which is pretty Aww. cool. That's adorable. And so he says, don't listen to him. There's nothing to be afraid of. And there's a kid in the background who calls for Desmond. So young Charlie's about to jump in the pool when a voice from a little boy can be heard in the background saying, Desmond, come on. This began a theory that Desmond is in Charlie's past. Oh um, my God. But that never, but that never, <laughs> that never became anything. But they had a kid like in the background the saying the implication it. is yeah. there though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now I have a question for you guys. So Charlie jumps in and he isn't caught. To me, catch me is means you're catching me before my face goes under the water. Okay, yes. Mm. But when he grabs him, yeah, but when he grabs him out, he's just like, yay, I did it. And I'm like, okay, so so did he catch you or not? Because to me, he didn't catch him. I would agree. I think that we, I think that we are meant to be with Charlie in that moment of like hesitation mm-hmm. where because it's in slow motion, we don't know. Whether his dad caught him or not, Mm -hmm. and therefore are asking this exact question. Yeah. But 
I would say ultimately he did catch him. And clearly he has a good memory for it. And like it. he's trying to teach him how to swim underwater anyway. Is yeah. Is kind of the whole point. Mm-hmm. So he would be proud of himself for making it under the water. Yeah. And not having to then also go another level of like thing he has to do mm-hmm. before he accomplishes like the whole thing. Yeah. Of what he's trying to do. Right. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think his father caught him, but I think he was there for him. Yeah. Like he's still happy that he did it. He's happy he's swimming. Because it's, yeah, it's like he did not jump into his arms. But like, I personally would count it as catching, but I also very much see that it's not the version of catching that you mm. guys are yeah. expecting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like, for me, if I'm a child, I don't want my face to go under the water. And that's the thing I'm scared sure. of. Yeah. So yeah, this episode, Charlie talks about what a strong swimmer he is. And this is very important because in 105, a castaway named Joanna went out swimming and got taken by the current. And uh, and Boone, for Isra's bingo card, <laughs> uh, went after Joanna and Jack saved Boone instead of Joanna. And Charlie was the one who ran for Jack and said, like, I would go out there, but I don't know how to swim. Mm-hmm. And so that tells us nearly three seasons later that Charlie was just being a coward. Yeah. In that moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which honestly tracks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it makes sense for his journey. Because apparently he's quite a strong swimmer and we see that in this yeah. episode. And learning how to swim from his dad was very important to him. So so yeah, number four, dad teaching me to swim at Butlins. In the Butlins. Lost <laughs> in Location, we saw a clip of it and it had said, dad teaching me to swim at Somerset Holiday Camp. Mm-hmm. And so it had, it had written like that in the Lost in Location. And so I was like, I wonder if they shot all the stuff with the letter over again or if they CGI'd the letter every time we saw it. Right. Because that's not something, like, the continuity of that letter is very important. We're watching yeah. him write it out every single time. So I was just interested in how they did that if, if the wording was being changed. No, for so. sure. So Desmond asks what he's writing, and he's like, nothing. Anyway, tell me what, how I die. <laughs> so inside a hatch, room full of equipment, there's a blinking yellow light above a switch. You flick the switch, the light goes off, and then you drown. But he doesn't know when. And he's like, are you sure you saw Claire and Aaron leaving? Yes. All right, I'll do it. Where's the switch? And Desmond seems like he knows. Like Desmond looks at him like, okay, I know where the switch is. And mm-hmm. I guess they, they sort of both walk right over to Jack and Saeed. So I think yeah. Desmond already knew what was going on. Probably, yeah. So we see Saeed, Jack, and Juliet looking at the files that they got from the flame. And on Lostpedia, it said, on the map, the Looking Glass building is named Hatch. Uh, but that was weird because the Dharma Initiative called their building stations. Mm. And the term hatch was used by the survivors for the first station that they discovered, which was the swan. Right. So script coordinator Greg Nations, who is uh, a god among men, who <laughs> is a script coordinator for this insane show, uh, confirmed that this was a mistake that they had done oh, that wow. by accident. Wow. Yeah. So they're like, okay, here are the blueprints. Uh, Juliet, what do you know about this place? And she's like, I honestly, I've never been down there. I don't know anybody who has. Why? Well, there was an accident and Ben said that it was completely flooded. And I'm like, oh, Ben said that, huh? Oh, did he? Oh, Ben said that? Okay. Man's been known to lie on an occasion or two. Yeah. (laughs) Once or twice. So I love this moment because Jack is like, okay, well, if it's flooded, then how does it work? And Saeed goes, it doesn't matter how it works. It matters that it does work and that we need to stop working. He's right. I mean, if I was Jack, I'd be like, yeah, I'm interested in knowing how. But Saeed's like, uh, we're running out of time here. It actually (laughs) just doesn't matter that how it works. It It doesn't matter. I don't care. Yeah. We have just things to do. It does work and that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So Saeed says, it looks like on this map, it says that it's connected by a cable and I actually know where that is. So we are several steps ahead of schedule. That's great. So Jack's like, how do we get in? There's a moon pool so we can swim in. It's it's for submarines. And 
So even if it's flooded, Saeed's gonna go in and flip the switch. Sure. And Jack's like, okay, how do you get back? And Saeed's like, just looks at him and is like, you don't. Mind your business, Jack. You don't get back out. And Jack refuses to let him kill himself just for this switch. And I kind of agree. Saeed is too important. Oh, for sure. For this. Not to say Charlie isn't, but (laughs) they're... This is Charlie's big purpose, though. Mm -hmm. You know, he's... It's very important that he does this. Exactly. This is not Saeed's time. Yeah. Now this is the looking glass. It's an underwater Dharma station. Please, can you tell me anything you might know about this place? I've never been down there. I don't know anyone who has. Why not? There was some accident. Ben told us that the station was completely flooded. Well, if it's flooded, then how does it still work? How it still works is irrelevant. The question is, how do we get it to stop working so we can use the satellite phone? The diagram shows that the looking glass is connected to the island by a cable. I feel sure that this is the very same cable down the beach which runs into the ocean. So if we follow the cable, it should lead us to the station. So how are we going to get in? We swim in. There's a moon pool. A room with an open floor at the base of the station. Big enough for a submarine to dock. Even if the station's flooded, I think I'll be able to find the relay switch and disable it. What about swimming back out? No. Now, I'm not letting you go on some suicide mission just to flip the switch. Someone has to do it or we'll never leave this island. I'll do it. So Saeed's like, well, someone has to for everyone to leave the island. So Charlie walks up and is like, I will do it. And Jack's like, you don't even know what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlie says, I was the junior swimming champion. Uh, I can hold my breath for four minutes. Of course, four is one of the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So this might be a lie to just let them let them let him do it. Yeah. But then why would that memory of learning how to swim be so important if yeah. he wasn't, like, actually someone who knew how to I swim I think very he's well? genuinely good. Yeah. I think he probably hasn't done it in a while mm-hmm. because of the, like, drugs mm-hmm. before getting yeah. here. And then the fear of, like, being perceived. Mm-hmm. Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that, like, and, and wouldn't doing those drugs, because he was inhaling them through his mm-hmm. nose, I'm like, it would make, it not? would damage his yeah. lung capacity and, like, how long he could hold his breath, probably. Yeah. But he's probably still also a very good swimmer. Yeah, he's been off them for a while, but I don't think they would go back to what they were when you were, I don't know, a junior. Yeah, probably. So Jack still says no, and I think, who is it? Yeah, Jack, who's like, why are we doing this right now? Like, we have another thing to deal with right now. We have the other thing to deal with. And Saeed's like, no, we finally have the chance to get rescued. We do, do we not want to also be doing this at the same time? And Jack's like, whatever, I've been making decisions for 90 days, and this is a decision. Here you go. He's so dumb. That's all I have I, to say. Like, mm-hmm. I can't stand it from Jack because I, sometimes he's annoying, but- as someone who frequently makes a lot of decisions, there is a point where you're just like, I don't know, you you figure it out. Yeah. And if not, I just did. Like, I, if get, you don't I, like it, I gave you the solution. If you don't like it, you shouldn't have put me in charge. Yeah. So uh, we go over to Bernard and Rose and Bernard says that Rose is doing a bad job tying knots. And then so she shows him that his knot sucks and that hers is better and they're adorable and cute. However, this is the very first time that we've seen Bernard and Rose in season three. What? Really? Yeah. No. What? Straight up the last time we saw them was the end of season three. No. What? Yeah. No. Seriously? What? Yeah. What? No. We're like. What? The finale is to like. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, straight up. And, like, you don't notice because there are so many people in the ensemble, but we straight up haven't seen Bernard and Rose this season. Interesting. What? I wonder if there were people what? who were watching it live who were like, 
oh, man, I love Bernard and Rose. They're my favorite ship. And then season three comes back and they're like, Where I'm they? exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Bernard and Rose together? Or like yeah. separate? No, I don't think we've Just seen either. At- what? Mm-mm. That seems so weird to yeah. me. That's wild. So uh, then we move over to Jin and Sun, and Jin's upset because Sun still hasn't told him what was said on the tape. That was like last night. I'm so upset for him. Oh, yeah. Like, he doesn't know. He can't tell. He doesn't know. That is and like. No one else can tell him. That is something yeah. that has like hurt me so much on this rewatch is like mm-hmm. how little people care that like Jin cannot understand what's happening. That's like. Yeah. Help him! Yeah. It's so sad. I also do appreciate the amount of patience he must have exhibited before asking Sun, mm-hmm. too, because, like, I probably would have asked before when he does. Yeah. Like, I know that they're very busy and, like, this is the priority, so it's very impressive that he didn't, like, demand to know before, and he asks very, very kindly yeah it's just like it's so gentle in every single group setting someone says something and he says like huh in korean or like what did they just say and son just like looks at him and then just like moves on because like you know she can't just like turn and translate everything to him because it's a television show yeah but i'm just like i just feel so bad for him every single time he's like hey uh what's happening and he just has to watch people speak in gibberish in front of him and it's clearly very important mm-hmm. you know i feel like there's probably something in daniel day kim's performance if you watch like over time too, where he uh, increasingly understands yeah. more without having to have like been specifically taught English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there definitely is. I think that the thing is that he is doing a really good job at like I understand words, but I understand specific words. I understand like island specific words. I understand boat and raft specific words, but like pregnancy specific words, mm-hmm. I-, I got nothing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So she tells him about DOC the episode when she went with Juliet and he asks if the baby is okay and she says yes but if she wants to keep a secret she does yeah no one else can tell him I mean really only Juliet and maybe Kate know but like Juliet and Kate aren't going to be able to tell him yeah that's so that's fair she doesn't tell him that she is going to die and honestly that's probably a good move right now because he has other things to worry about it would just put him in danger yeah too and She's also probably doing it to spare him the pain of, like, of the knowledge in general. Yeah. So Hurley sees Carl coming towards them and Saeed immediately tackles him. I'm not sure what Carl, like, why Carl didn't see that coming when he's running towards, (laughs) and Saeed's running towards him with, like, a very determined look on his face and he's like, why did you tackle me? (laughs) It's a, it's a pretty incredible body slam. Yeah. I just, like, if I was Carl, I'd be like, this man seems angry. I should probably slow my roll. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. Maybe I should pump the brakes. Ah, Nope, never mind. Never mind. I'm on the ground now. My face is in sand. The brakes are out. Uh, We have hit a tree. So he gets, like, completely taken by Saeed. And Sawyer's like, oh, it's okay. He's with us. And Saeed's like, excuse? (laughs) Uh, Excuse? A what? And um, he's like, we got mad at Jack for trusting another and now this. Okay. Sure. I mean, clearly Carl is like a kid. I think it's funny that people trust trust Sawyer's judgment over Mm -hmm. which other we can trust over Jack's judgment, but they still have him in charge. Yeah. I mean, it works out because like Juliet comes back and they're like, hey, tell us things. And Juliet's like, I can't tell you things. And it's mostly because Jack is like, Juliet, don't tell them things. But Carl comes in and is just like, here's every secret I know. And also my gun. (laughs) And- I just respect him. I am here to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Carl tells them that the others are coming and they're like, oh, I'm sorry you went all this way, but we already know that. 
And Carl's like, why are you acting so nonchalant about this? Um, why are you even still here? And they're like, it's okay. We have a plan for when they come tomorrow. And he's like, they're not coming tomorrow. <laughs> they're coming tonight. It's so good. This is one of my favorite moments in the entire show. It's so good. It's so dramatic. And Blake Bashoff does such a good job. Yeah. Extremely good. Like he tells them this and they are all just stunned. And he looks around like, did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Get going! Ugh, it's so good. It's such a good moment. So we flash back to six hours ago. And I'm like, dude, it, what? It took him like five hours to get there? Yikes. That's a lot of rowing. I guess that's how long it took, eh? Ugh, he must be so tired. So if it took five hours to row there, mm-hmm. it's gonna take, what, seven hours to walk there? Cause, at least. Because she says that if you take the rower, you'll be there at a few hours before before them them, yeah so and yeah so this is six hours ago and so my thought is like that conversation with ben to her like going over to him Mm -hmm. maybe takes an hour but yeah so it it, they probably don't have very many time very much time left especially if it has he has already rode that's five hours yeah and you only have a few hours now exactly yeah oh he must have been rowing so hard oh my god his arms must be so tired so alex is skinning a rabbit and this might be a stretch but i'm wondering if this is symbolism for how much she hates her father because he loves rabbits and he's seen with rabbits a lot i will accept it oh yeah i don't know so she asks where Locke is and he gives her back her gun so i think he used her gun to shoot Locke. Yikes. And so Richard comes over and he asks what's up and Ben doesn't answer. He just wants to know where Price is. And Ben's like, I said we'd go get them tomorrow, but Jacob wants us to go tonight since, you know, I went, I just went and saw him and met up with him. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's go. And Richard asks if John saw Jacob and he's like, anyway, John's not here. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, ah, Jacob uh, and John, John is busy. John has had an accident. So he's actually not here anymore. And of course, Richard is a very smart man. It's just like, so we lost John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he can do the mental math required. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's it's just mighty bold of of him of Ben to just be like, no, it's fine. We're doing this because anyway, I are, I heard this. Yeah. Jacob told and me. And it's fine. And of course from last episode we learned Ben doesn't even hear from Jacob at all. So Ben's just like I say things that I want and I pass them off as Jacob to all of you. <laughs> and uh, and I get away with it because no one knows the difference. And yeah. then Locke found out the difference. Yep. Gotta go. I gotta keep my, my power pedestal here. Yeah. So Ben is like, where's Price? And so he goes over to Ryan, Ryan Price, and he's playing chess. Hey, didn't strike me as a chess guy, but everyone contains multitudes. <laughs> sure. No, good for him, I guess. And so he's like, hi, it is me. Um, how long will it take if you leave right now? He says, if I, I'll take 10 others and we should be there by nightfall. So he's like, okay, get going then. And Richard's like, uh, no, this because- This is not the plan. <laughs> Richard's like, uh, what if Juliet's not ready? And he's like, oh, whatever, we'll just take all the women. Dude, that's a lot of people for 10 others to handle. Yeah. That is so many women. Like, there are several. And it's clear that Ben is just, like, overreacting because he's pissed about what just happened with John. Yeah. But, jeez. And he's like, if any of the men are stupid enough to get in the way, kill them. <laughs> okay. Okay, buddy. This is a perfectly sane plan. Sure. You are not thinking rationally right now. Like, he literally looks crazed. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, seriously. He always looks calculating or something, but- A little unhinged. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, he is fully unhinged right now. It's yeah. fully on, like, bordering on deranged. Yes, fully. So Alex runs away, and Carl shows up and is like, Hey, uh, you told me you were bringing me food, and you didn't. So just wondering <laughs> about that. So not only has he been rowing for five hours, but he's, he's also, also very hungry. Ugh, <laughs> what a good guy. I love Carl. So she's like, you have to run. And he's like, oh, crap. Did Ben find out I was here? And she's like, no, but you have to go warn them. And I I think this moment is so interesting because Carl is like, why? I thought that they were just taking the pregnant women. Yeah. Interesting. He seems fine with this. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought they were were just taking the pregnant women. They were just going to take the pregnant ladies. Yeah, like they always do that, right? They always just come in and take the pregnant people. Like, was she also fine with them taking pregnant people? I I don't know. I guess it was... I guess they were fine until they feel felt like Ben was going to kill everyone. Yeah. But yeah. Um, kidnapping is still a crime, children. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we sort of had this thing about, uh, like, last episode where we thought that Ben had a hyperfixation with the whole fertility problems thing because his mother died in childbirth. Right. And so I was like, okay, so maybe the same thing happened to Carl. So he, like, really wants them to do that research. But I honestly think it's probably just, like, a brainwashing thing. Like, he was, he was brought up within the others, and they know that if there's a pregnant woman, you take them. Interesting. And you do the research to try and save your people. I don't know. That's what I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think that mm, would make sense. That's all I got. Maybe they understand that, like, that's what their purpose is, you know? Yeah. And, like, that's one of the only things they're working towards. Still weird, though. It would take a lot of convincing. Yeah, definitely. For someone to tell me. A telling moment, I feel like, yeah. Uh, that it's it's cool to just steal pregnant women, but it, it's fine. So she says to take the outrigger and you'll get there a few hours before. And so my thought is, why doesn't Price and everybody take boats then if it's like that much faster? But I guess like it won't be as stealthy and they probably want to be there during the night because that's when people will be in their tents. Because mm-hmm. I think they were going to come at, in the night the night before. Like yes. the next t- night they were going to go at night. Yes. So Alex is like, they're going to kill them and you owe Sawyer and Kate because they helped me save you from room 23. So Alex gives Carl the gun that Ben just gave her and then it is used against Ben again after that, which is really cool. Dun dun dun. I like, like, I like that uh, full circle. Yeah. One of Greg Nations, the super... Uh, the supervisor, the script supervisor, mm-hmm. one of his jobs, or at least one of the script supervisor's committee's jobs, is to track all of the guns. Yeah. And so this gun's really interesting because Alex had it, gave it to Locke, Ben took it from Locke, gave it back to Alex, Alex gave it to Carl, Carl gave it to Jack. And so now Saeed, uh, Jin, or Bernard are going to use that gun. Yeah. So it's just interesting. You've got to like pay attention to like mm-hmm. where each of the guns are. So it's it's a really cool yeah. thing that they did that I don't think many current shows would do that type of detail mapping. I, I would agree with you on that. I feel like hiring people who keep out for specific things like that mm-hmm. has fallen on the priority list yeah. for a lot of shows. Yeah. It's like, okay, we were given three guns at this time and lesser shows would have five guns out just because they needed five guns when they yeah. only have three guns, you know? Yeah. So Carl is like, your dad's actually going to kill me this time. And she's like, is he my father? And if I was her, I'd be like, or if I was him, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it, even if he isn't your father, that's not going to stop him from killing me though. Right. <laughs> But okay, thank you. But okay. So then they kiss, and I love them so much. Yeah. I just love them. It's very, it's a very good kiss. Yeah. It's a very sweet kiss. Yeah. I just think they're awesome. They're like star-crossed. Yeah. Literally, because they used to sit 
and watch and look at constellations and name constellations together. They're that's just so, so cute. cute. And so Carl runs, and that's the scene that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. So we transition back, and Carl has told Jack everything he knows. Thank you. Because like I said, lesser shows would have Carl regurgitate everything he knows in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. But in this show, they just transition to it, and it's implied that he told them everything. Exactly. So Jack asks if Kate trust, trusts Carl, and she just shrugs. And he's like, okay, if you need more information to trust me, Juliet is a mole. And Juliet's <laughs> like, I already told them. <laughs> but thanks a lot for just so throwing me under the bus. Yeah. But I think that does make him more trustworthy because he was trying to help you. That's mm. true. Yeah. So Sun says that they have to hide. Bernard mentions that he knows that they're just going to find them wherever they go because this is their island. Yeah. Uh, Jack asks Rousseau if they have enough wire yet and she says no. So they need to figure out something else. Yeah. So Saeed says that they could shoot they could shoot them. And they're like, dude, there are 10 people coming. We do not have enough guns for that. And he's like, no, 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 not the people, the tents, the dynamite. It's it's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's not. It's quite smart. There's three tents that were marked. So we, and, so we need three guns. And they end up getting a gun from Carl and a gun from Russo. And I'm like, do they only actually have one gun right now? Uh. I guess that a lot of their guns were taken by Friendly in the hunting party, but that was so long ago. Yeah. I know that, I know that Sawyer has a gun. But it didn't have any bullets in it last time we saw it. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm sure I trust them with the gun continuity. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so Carl has a gun and immediately gives it. See, he's very trustworthy. He's like, this is even my weapon here. And Hurley freaks out about it. He's, <laughs> so he's like, this man has just pulled a gun on me. Excuse me? No. So Rousseau says that she will do one of the shots. And Jack says, thank you. We'll take your gun, but we need you to lead us to the tower. And Claire's just like, excuse me. I'm very out of the loop. There is a radio tower now. Huh? <laughs> and if this doesn't work, we still need to try and get in contact with the boat. So all of this stuff needs to happen at the same time. Charlie, are you still down to do your thing? And Charlie says, yes. Desmond says that he'll go with him. And uh, that's my ship, um, Desmond and Charlie. That's very sweet. That's my crack ship. It's very sweet. They are so cute this episode. <laughs> uh, and that's part one. Yay. Uh, so before we do the second half, we're going to talk about Patreon real quick. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaficionados. And we have a couple of really cool perks that uh, would make it worth it for you to join. <laughs> the $1 level gets you early access to every single one of our podcasts. This one comes out a whole week in advance. The $2 level gets you access to our Discord server. $5 gets you 10% off at shoppylux.com where Brittany sells stuff. Actually, she's rebranded to Visit Binnyland. Visit Binnyland. Uh, so check that out. Uh, Hybridy Embroidery where I sell stuff. And Lost and Found Candle Co. where Casey sells stuff. She has a lost candle and it's delightful. I have not bought a Casey candle that I didn't love. And I've bought them all. So um, that's how about amazing that? and I love you. And you guys have a lot of candles coming your way. And yes. I'm so excited. I hope none of them break. Um, it was delayed a day because the packages got returned to me because I accidentally selected the wrong service for the box I used. Oh no. USPS doesn't make it easy to ship things. But yeah. I do my best. I don't think anyone does. No. It's true. But you guys have a lot of candles coming. <laughs> Sam, did you want to tell everybody about the $10 level? Uh, sure. At the $10 level, we run a Patreon-only podcast called Oakley, where me and Robin and Brittany uh, all sit down and we talk about our week and then we talk about some crazy-ass topic, like whether or not the people on Stranger Things smell good. Yeah. <laughs> when I tell you, this is, like, that podcast is the highlight of... <laughs> 
my existence. I just, I turn it on and it's like, I'm literally just with my besties and it's great. I love you, Casey. I love you so much. (laughs) Uh, So if you can't help us out on Patreon, that's okay. Uh, Check out those places that I told you. That's a way that you can support us and also get something cool. Uh, And then if you can't do any of those things, just recommend us to a friend. That would be awesome. It's free and uh, it really helps us out because maybe the person that you recommend it to uh, would be able to help us out on Patreon. So it's it's totally awesome Uh, either way, even if you are recommending to yourself and you want to check out some of our other ones if this is the only one that you listen to. If you are interested in more Sam, check out uh, our other podcasts. Thank you. I highly recommend. I'm so excited for Stranger Things. Yeah, I'm excited for Stranger Things to come back. When does this episode come out? Beginning of... The first half of the season (gasps) is fully out by the time this comes out and I am so excited. Oh my god, I'm so... Oh my god. Happy for the version of me that you guys will think about when you hear this. (laughs) Yeah. Because she'll have watched the first half of Stranger Things season four. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm so excited. We've been waiting so long. I know. (laughs) I hope... I'm manifesting that Jopper have kissed already. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just putting that into the planet. I know it's not going to happen, and for sure she's maybe going to get, like, a singular glimpse of him before the second half, but I have aspirations, um, just like the dog and cat that are eating each other alive. Avi, you can't just make a decision, honey. Oh my god, I thought I was, I was like, did I miss something in the trailer? Was there a dog and a cat that, like, go at each other? Oh. <laughs> no, 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 um... It's our two idiots have uh, yep. gone for a scramble. I love them. Just a cheeky scramble. All right. So uh, this is another memory. Charlie is in a hotel bed with uh, two women that I assume he had a threesome with last night. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, in the moth, he like went into confession to talk about similar escapades. So yeah, makes sense. It is also funny to me when we watch this, the girls don't wake up and- yeah. Liam is not quiet. Yeah. I'm like, are, are you guys they okay? Oh, are they well? Oh, yeah. He's like jumping on the bed. I was fully like under the impression at first, because we know at some point Charlie begins to use drugs, mm-hmm. that the girls were like so Stoned, messed up yeah. on like that they could, would have taken an act of God to wake them up. Yeah. And maybe they are. We just know that this is before Charlie had done that. That's true. Yeah. But Liam shows up and like basically jumps on the bed and he's like, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. And I really liked that moment because in his dream, his nightmare in fire and water, uh, that was at Christmas too. So clearly that was like an important a holiday for his family if he like had a dream about it a vision about it oh yeah uh, oh yeah my next note is why don't these women wake up <laughs> we exactly about? also why does liam have like the card to this room or the key to this room if it's charlie's room yeah also i don't know maybe it was like a shared suite maybe i don't know so he says oh these are the girls from row two nice this sure is a nice hotel room for one member of a band and the one that is like just a basis <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe hotel rooms are less expensive in Finland. I've never been there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, so he says you're still the only drug-free rock star in the world. So this was obviously before they're telling us where in the timeline this is. Gotcha. He says, by the way, Santa lives near here. <laughs> and he's like, okay, he lives in Helsinki. In pilot part one, the very first episode of Lost, Charlie told Kate that the DS ring was from the second tour of Finland. So he told Kate that he got the ring 
on their second tour of, tour of Finland. So this is their second time coming into Finland. And I can't believe that they remembered that from the very first episode. Right. Wow. So That's he impressive. says, yes, uh, Santa lives near here because uh, the North Pole is here. Also, I have a gift for you because it is Christmas. And he gives him the DS ring. And he's like, oh my God, no, mom gave you that because he was the firstborn. And it was her grandfather's. And so then he's like, it was a fair family heirloom. So we named the band after him. And I don't usually have this note for this show because they do a very good job at this. Yeah. But this line is very tell, don't show. Like, it's, it was really clunky. Yeah. And he's like, yes, of course I know our family history. And I will now recite it for you here. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? It definitely reads like that. Because, but like, without that context, you're going to assume it's just yeah. that the DS ring just means draft shaft. Yeah. I also had a very just random small gripe. If this is like a family heirloom, that means that like this ring has been in the family for many years. Mm-hmm. That ring doesn't look like it was made before like 1990. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. It's yeah. Too, it's too modern to be an heirloom. Yeah, um, yeah that's fair. That's fair. I completely agree. I don't know. Neither here nor there. Or I expect that they the ring was probably just part of Charlie's costume Mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a while before they decided to do something with it necessarily. So they may not have known when they designed the ring that yeah. this is what it would end oh, up yeah. being. I definitely think that's um, true. Yeah. So Liam's like, I'm a mess. You're probably going to get married, have a life, have kids. I probably won't even make it to 30. And of course, Liam is the one who ends up with a family mm-hmm. and also glasses. <laughs> Yeah, he becomes when he shows up in the moth like that. Equal importance. <laughs> a real adult. When he shows up in the moth like that, you're just like, oh yes, I can tell you've uh, settled down because <laughs> you have glasses now. Because mm-hmm. you have glasses now. Mm-hmm. So he's like, we have to keep the ring going in the family. If I were Charlie, I would have given it to Megan. Uh, Liam's daughter. Mm-hmm. And like as soon as I, as soon as she was born, that ring goes to Megan in my mind. I okay. You know, if I was Charlie, like that a lot better actually. Yeah, I mean, of course, this ring is very important to Charlie's character, and it, you right, know, it's right. very meaningful and everything. But like having seen this scene, if I was Charlie, firstborn, it was meant to go to Liam. It was meant to be Liam's. He says at the end, he's like, "I'll hold it for you, but I don't own it. It's it is mm-hmm. yours, but I'm holding it for you." I would immediately give it to Megan personally. I get that. Yeah, I get the thought process for sure. So he's like, "Mom would have wanted you to have it." So this tells us that uh, she died. Their mom had already died at yes, this point, um, and Megan was their mom's name. So Liam named his daughter after Megan. That's really sweet. After his mom. And so that makes it even sadder when he had that vision of her in Fire and Water with like her being an angel next to Claire. Yeah. Knowing that she had died. Ouch. (laughs) So uh, he's like, you should give it to your child someday, Charlie. You should give it to, to your child. And he's like, I'll hold it for you, but it's not mine. On Lostpedia, it says, Interestingly, in season one, both Charlie and Liam are seen together wearing DS rings. (laughs) Either this is a continuity error, which it probably was, or perhaps once the band became successful, they had one or more replica rings made with Liam keeping the original heirloom. And then this was him giving Charlie the original heirloom. That would make sense. Yeah. But that is just fixing a continuity error in my mind. Yeah. So he writes down on the paper, number three, the Christmas that Liam gave me the ring. Um, He looks at the ring. He sees Claire and she's upset because you didn't tell me you were going on this dangerous mission. And he's like, well, I didn't want you to worry. And if I was Claire, I'd be like, oh yeah, for the extra half hour, I didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) I would have figured out, man. Like, (laughs) so she's like, obviously it's dangerous. So... I am worried about it. And he's like, well, I'm doing it so that we can be rescued. Yeah. And promise me that you won't worry while I'm gone. Why didn't you tell me you were going to do this? Didn't want you to worry. Well, it's dangerous, isn't it? 
swimming into some underwater station. That's what needs to be done to get us all rescued. I'll be fine, Claire. You gotta promise me something. While I'm gone. Don't worry about me. He puts Aaron in the crib, calls him turnip head again. I just, there's no way she can genuinely make that promise. Yeah. Oh, exactly. For sure. She'd be like, yeah, I will tell you that, but I'm definitely going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And he tells the baby to take care of Claire while he's gone. And of course, you know that he thinks he's walking to his death. Devastating. So he's saying, take care of your mom when I'm dead. And like, I can't imagine he's looking down at this baby who he thought, having loved Claire, Mm -hmm. that he was going to help raise this child Mm -hmm. to like adulthood. For sure. And like looking down and knowing that this baby will likely never know him or remember him. Did you have to say that? How dare you? (laughs) Did you? Hey, yeah, um, sorry. Did you need to say that? Robin, go to prison. Sorry. <laughs> go sit in the pickle jar and yeah. think about what you did. Yeah, sorry. I hurt my own feelings as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll take leave. That hurts. But the baby like reaches up and like touches his face too. I'm very sad. Mm-hmm. I'm very fragile. And so she tells him to be careful and they kiss. And this is, I think, one of, I believe they've only kissed one other time on camera. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this is only their second kiss that we ever see, which is, yeah, uh, which makes it more meaningful. Yeah. I think. It's um, also, it's a, both of the kisses I noticed watching this episode mm-hmm. um, are very well directed mm-hmm. and shot, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. And so on the Lost on Location, Emily, who plays Claire, said, it's always been a really touch and go relationship with them, but they're in a really good place right now, which makes it more sad. Yeah. And I was like, it does. Thanks so much for saying that. (laughs) Uh, So we move into another memory. Uh, Charlie is singing Wonderwall outside Covent Garden, um, which of course is why Wonderwall is one of my favorite songs because it has so many different meanings. They really like take a song that I don't know if it was a joke in 2007. Uh, Cause right now it's a joke where Wonderwall is the first song that you learn on guitar yeah. because it's so easy to play. And so I think that probably around that time because of Guitar Hero, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um, it was becoming the meme that it is today. Yeah. But so I love that they took this song. That's a very popular song that a lot of people know how to play on the guitar. And they were like, we can make this how means so much. Yeah. The lyrics are so important. It's great. On Lostpedia, it had a couple of uh, uh, actuallys. Love those. So it said, the place where Charlie is busking across from the Covent Garden underground station does not exist. <laughs> okay. Oh. There is no newsstand, newsstand or lighted theater entrance there. Busking is also prohibited on that corner. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Um, it also said the London taxi is accurate as opposed to the one seen in Flash Be- Flashes Before Your Eyes, which were not accurate. Mm-hmm. However, it is driving on the wrong side of the road. Almost all London taxis carry adverts these days, and some other cars featured in the scene are not available in the UK. Hmm. Whoops. So, yes, Wonderwall is once again being brought up next to Desmond and Charlie. Desmond being the one who keeps trying to save Charlie. And then and then at the end of the episode, Charlie saves Desmond when he stops him from taking Charlie's job. Exactly. You know what we call that? Romance. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't know if I should mention this now or in the spoiler section, but I was thinking about you saying that, like, the we hear someone say Desmond's name mm. in the pool memory. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that we see. I think in a later episode, but it might have been a previous episode. Mm-hmm. We see him see Charlie here. Is that has that already happened? What do you mean he see? Oh no, that's already happened. Oh okay, yeah. good, good, good. 
So Charlie, he's here with Charlie at a point in his yeah. mental landscape. Yeah, basically they, Desmond was here and Charlie was here, but the conversation that they had didn't actually happen. Right. Yeah. Um. So I just think it's interesting though that it's possible mm. that Desmond could have been in there the in the pool of scene. Multiple ones. And like has just been like drifting in and out of his life. Interesting. Uh, in like waves his whole life. I'm deeply interested um, in this concept. I, I'm pretty sure I just soulmate AU'd them, yeah. but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been saying. No, literally. So yes, this is what actually happened, not what we saw in Flashes Before Your Eyes, like I said. And then just extremely abrupt rain begins. Yeah, it's extremely. violent. Very. The people who are listening give him money and everything. And I also, when I hear somebody busking and playing Wonderwall, I have to give them money. It's a rule for myself. Yeah, as you should. Um, that's a good rule. Yeah, so uh, if he was singing Wonderwall, I would also give him money. Nice. So he puts his guitar away, um, and on Lostpedia it said, as Charlie puts away his guitar in the rain, we see a sticker that reads, I was here moments ago. This is most likely a reference to Flashes Before Your Eyes, where Desmond finds Charlie in the same Oh, location. I love that. Yeah. So as he's walking away, he hears a woman screaming, and he sees the woman is being mugged. So he runs in, helps the woman, hits the guy with his guitar case, and I really like that moment because it says a lot that he would use his most prized possession like that. Oh, yeah. He used his most prized possession as a weapon um, to save this woman is really wonderful, I think. Yeah. Would you have done it? Would you have run in there? It depends on what I ha- what I would have had with me. I definitely, I don't know if I would have run in there, but I definitely would have been like, hey, I'm looking straight at you and I see you right now. Yeah. You better do, like, I definitely would exactly, have like, said yeah. something. Like, it also, it depends on how big the guy is yeah. for me. Because I'm, either way, I'm screaming. Yeah. Um, I'm busting you out. This is a public space and anyone else around me is going to find out. Yeah. But if he's like, like slightly bigger than me or lower, mm-hmm. I'm going in. Yeah. And if he's significantly bigger than me, I'm just screaming. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you, Casey? What would you do? I, I, if I'm being honest with myself, I, I don't know. I, I would love to say I would just boom, go right in there. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not that selfless. I don't think. You're also like very under small. five feet. <laughs> this is true. I'm I'm very short. I, I literally never reached five feet. I don't think it's a lack of selflessness. I think it's a um a I, presence of I know my limits. Also need to survive this situation. Yeah. And I will do something about it, but maybe just not um risk my own life. Yeah. Yes. It's just I, I fight for people well, in other ways. The mm-hmm. thing is, we're also um, three women, yeah. so it is. It would be harder to um, physically act necessarily, like depending on like size of attacker. Mm-hmm. And we generally already also fear this happening to us. Yeah. So like, there's an inherent like I do need to do something, and I also know that I could get hurt worse if I go in. Because Does that make sense? I think what we're not talking about is that we see this man and he has a knife. Yeah. And what does he have? <laughs> <laughs> I think that even if. I am larger than this man. I'm not going in there. I'm definitely screaming. I'm definitely trying to get somebody else's help. My hubris uh, is high enough in my own physical prowess that if he's if I'm bigger than him, I could easily like mm-hmm. unhand him of a knife. A gun would be different. Yeah. But yeah. But I also completely understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. as well. I, I think that if I had something like a giant guitar case or something, that would make me feel a little bit more brave. Because, like, then you could, like, put that in front of yourself yeah. as well. Uh-huh. Um, use it as a shield and a weapon. Exactly. So I think that's definitely part of it, too, because I don't, I don't 
I walk around with a backpack. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of it. So, yeah. He So he the dude runs away and he like drops the purse. Dude, if that was real, he would have taken that purse. Oh, for sure. <laughs> he would he have would. left with that purse for sure. So Charlie asks her if she's okay. And it's Nadia. <gasps> I love this character connection. Such a good reveal. Such a good reveal. And uh, Nadia is one of the character, one of the like guest stars who is in every single season, even mm-hmm. if it's only one episode, which I think is awesome and very cool. She's lovely. I think she has like the most interesting ties to like Mm -hmm. various characters at this point we are we've seen the episode where she uh was with Locke with Locke yeah 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 yes yeah and I'm like that's just just so cool it is really cool it's interesting that she's like one of the only flashback characters that we actively like have a timeline for her you know, like oh, we yeah. can tell what she was doing at different times based oh, yeah. on where she is in other people's stories, which is really cool. So Charlie gives her her purse back and he's like, oh my gosh, that was so scary. I haven't been in a fight since I was eight. And of course, eight is one of the numbers. But last time I was in a fight when I was eight, I lost. So this time was good because I, I won this time. <laughs> I love him. And Nadia says, well, that makes you even more of a hero because you're not a fighter and you could have lost that one. Yeah. Um, And he's like, oh, that's okay. Anybody would have done that. And she's like, actually, no, three different people walked by. And that does make Charlie the fourth person who walked by. Ah. So it's four. Um, And they saw me, saw that I was in trouble and, but they just kept going. So that means that you're a hero. This is probably my favorite Nadia scene of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this always sticks out to me. I love it so much. But when we interviewed Andrea, I told her how much I love this scene and how it's my favorite Nadia scene. And she said that she didn't like this scene because she didn't like the way her hair looked in it. <laughs> she is so valid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I would never have noticed that because I think it makes it look very dramatic and beautiful. Yeah, but, but you absolutely, if, for it, sure. if it was you, 100%. you'd absolutely notice that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like that just lives on for eternity. Yeah. I just think it's so funny. And it's a a huge important scene in a huge important episode and you hate your hair i love that that's valid i think that's so funny that that we're all just like this scene is so meaningful it's so beautifully written and it's beautifully shot and everything and she's just like yeah i don't like it because of this vain reason and we're like so true (laughs) (laughs) well it's also a lesson in like if you're if you're focused on how bad you look in anything you don't have to be no one else is yeah you know it's so true don't let that eat up your brain when no one else is thinking about it yeah Exactly. I'm just thinking about the beautiful words you're saying. Exactly. (laughs) The wonderful acting you're doing. So he writes down number two, woman outside Covent Garden calls me a hero. And, you know, he's writing this down, never having learned her name, not knowing that she was literally the love of Saeed's life. And wow. I heard. So Desmond is making a weight belt and that should help pull pull you down because every second counts. Yeah. Um, It's a really good idea, actually. Definitely. And so you can just take it off when you get far enough down. Charlie seems like really flippant about it. You know, he's just like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. Um, Obviously freaking out on the inside. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Desmond asks how long he can actually hold his breath. And Charlie's like, does it, it doesn't really matter because I only need to get enough to flip the switch. Yeah. Yeah. I, it takes a while to get down there though. Yeah, it really does. I would be concerned Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't make it inside. Mm -hmm. I think I definitely would have been able to make it down, but then like across where I am now panicking because I can't find the opening that I meant to get to. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, I'm running out of energy because I'm running out of air and I might have done this for nothing because I couldn't even get to the switch. I have a genuine fear of suffocating. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of like things that I actually fear, but that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Not to sound like I'm like flexing about yeah. how, th- how many things I fear. And I'll also go and beat up muggers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, she will. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I just, um, I don't know that I could do this probably at all mm. because Brittany and I went snorkeling once and um, I had to have floaties mm-hmm. because I was like, I will get so tired of trying to like not be able to breathe that I need floaties and I need to just look in <laughs> from yeah. the from the top. So yeah, I don't think that I I would be able to to do this part. <laughs> there are some heroic things that Charlie can that Charlie does that Sam could do. And others no. No. <laughs> so in the next scene we see Bernard uh shooting well and Said agrees that he's good enough to help. Uh, so I guess that was his audition on being able to do this. <laughs> um, Bernard is very brave. I I would truly be one of the random characters who's just like, oh, looks like everyone else is better equipped to do this scary thing. I'll just walk. <laughs> I feel like I relate to Bernard a lot in that, like, he mostly minds his business, Mm -hmm. but, like, when he's like, there is this one thing that I know that I am good at, and I am going to show everyone that I am good at it, and then everyone will make me feel nice. Yeah. And, um, I I respect that, King. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, I would probably also volunteer for this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why this podcast has become me just saying which parts of this episode I wouldn't, wouldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, Rose is there, but she's really worried about it. She's like, this is not pheasant hunting like you're used to. And uh, she mentions Montgomery County. Did you want to talk about that? Uh, she mentions Montgomery County. Um, and I don't know if they're necessarily referring to the one that I am. But for a while in, like, the D.C. Maryland area, I lived in Montgomery County. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh my god, me? They went pheasant? They killed my pheasant? They killed my (laughs) pheasant. I was like, that's pretty residential. But maybe I just didn't go to the far reaches of Montgomery County. Or they're talking about a completely different Mm -hmm. Montgomery County because Robin looks up and they're from New York, which is within a drive of Maryland, Mm -hmm. but not, like... A day's drive. Yeah. Or like a short drive. Yeah. So I guess maybe they were like, they obviously can't pheasant hunt in New York. Well, New York, New York. They can hunt in New York State, I'm sure. Yeah. So he's like, no, it's fine. And she's like, pheasants don't shoot back. And these people will probably (laughs) shoot back. So please be careful. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) Not if I blow them all up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he's like, I'm sure everything's fine. And, you know, I'll shoot the tent. I'll follow right behind you. And then we'll be back together. And so Rose is like, well, I will stay too and I will walk with you. And Jack is like, "Mm, no, nobody is saying but the shooters. And so Rose asks for Jack's word that nothing bad will happen to Bernard. And he's like, what I can promise is that if we don't kill everyone who shows up, it won't matter. (laughs) Okay. It's a bit rude, man. Yeah, well, I'll just be dead. And Rose is like, "Mm, I'll take it, actually. (laughs) She's like, sure, that's actually a good point. Uh, so she goes with Bernard to get him in like a darker outfit, which would be more helpful in this scenario. Yeah. Um, I love her being like, okay, my husband doesn't know what to wear. I'll <laughs> go get him something else. So Jack says that Saeed should start getting ready to go because mm-hmm. it's like a whole day's walk to get up there. Yeah. And Saeed's like, no, I'm going to stay, not you. And Jack's like, what? It was my idea. And I'm like, Jack, like you're a better shot than Saeed. Right. What do you if even shoot? Win- no, get out of here. You know how to play golf. That's it. And that's a different kind of aiming. Exactly. Like, it's not the same at all. I think it was stupid that Jack thought that he was doing it in the first place. Yeah. So Jack's like, no, I owe these people. And Saeed's like, do you care more about killing the others or getting us rescued? Because it really feels like getting us rescued is more important. You said that you are our leader. So go and lead them to the tower and take us all home, Jack. Which is a beautiful, beautiful moment. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. Jack, my guy, your name is Shepard, dude. (laughs) 
shepherd these people. You, it's you like have to. This is your job, Jack. Yeah. This is your destiny. Yeah. Charlie and Desmond are by the shore. They're about to leave. It said on Lostpedia the T-shirt that La- Charlie wears in this episode has four Chinese words for, and they mean courage and faith. So. All right. That's what his that's what his shirt means. Hurley asks to come with them. He's like, I don't want to walk anymore. It's a whole day's walk. I've been walking so much. I don't yeah. want to do it anymore. And also, I don't like explosions. Please, I don't want to stay at the beach and I don't want to go on the trek. Can I please come with you? I'm good at paddling. I could do it. He has great points. He, I so many points. relate to this man. But Charlie doesn't want to put Hurley in danger. He doesn't want Hurley to, Hurley probably will stop also, Charlie from doing it. Yeah, he can't, he can't let Charlie, or he can't let Hurley know what he's about to do. Because yeah. one, he'll stop him here. And if he comes with him on the boat, he'll either try and stop him and then just like, they'll all get hurt mm-hmm. or, or something bad will happen to Hurley. Yeah, it's, it's just a bad idea in, in general. And so Charlie's like, no, which is good but then he's like the only like he's like searching for an excuse and the only excuse that everybody anybody can think of for hurley to not be able to come is that he's too big it's really it he can't it, fit in the boat it like stings more because you yeah. know what's about to happen to charlie yeah and like yeah. having him say that then it's just like oh it's lazy there yeah yeah i'm not even saying it's lazy of the writers i'm saying like it's lazy of charlie, of charlie mm-hmm. yeah it's like think of anything else like there. Ugh. There are just no words. Like, there's not a single person who can watch that and say, oh, yeah, that lands. That's, yeah. mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. No. Well, like, there clearly were then who were just like, ha yeah. In, like, general mm-hmm. on shows and everything. It's just, uh. It's so crappy. And, like, watching it back, it, it hurts because it's, like, lazy, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, but then it also hurts just because of, like, what you know is coming and, like, you are sad for Charlie that he's not being more genuine the entire scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm sad for Hurley because now he doesn't get to have a genuine goodbye when Charlie knows that he's saying goodbye. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, the scene that follows immediately after is very sweet. Yeah. But it just, it's, it's muddled. Yeah. 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 Were you gonna say something, Casey? Um, not really. It's just, it. it's just so crappy. It, and it gives me bad feelings every single time. Yeah. And Charlie can tell that he hurt his feelings as soon as he says it. Oh, yeah, 100%. And and he's like, oh my god, I literally hurt his feelings. It's the very last thing I ever do to him. Oh. Yep. I hate that. It hurts. It hurts. So Charlie stops him from leaving and gives him, like, a big hug. And Hurley's like, it's fine. I don't even, like, want to go anymore. Hurley is very nice to him. I would not allow my friends to speak to me like that. Yeah. Hurley is very uh, generous. Yeah. To be yeah. honest, because uh, I certainly would not allow people to Extremely. speak to like that. And so Charlie tells him that he loves him. And Hurley says, I love you back, but really casually because he doesn't know. Yeah. But I'm so glad he says it back. I know, right? It's, that's why I think that's what it, he has no idea and Charlie does know. Yeah. And so it makes Hugo's uh, reaction very genuine. Mm-hmm. Jorge uh, is great. Yeah. And like, it just really adds that level of emotion to it because he did it without having to yeah um and charlie just watches him go thinking that that's my best friend right there so jack is checking in with everyone that they're ready and kate's like hey jack uh here we go again and (laughs) jack's like yes thank you for this awkward conversation and then juliet steps up (laughs) and it's so funny because it's like she was she looks over at them like she was waiting for their conversation to be over before she started walking (laughs) up which i think is very nice of her yeah Because she wants Kate to have her moments with Jack, I guess. Because Kate's been so weird about it. So Juliet says they're all good to go. Did Saeed choose another shooter? Yes, and it's Jin. But does Sun know that Jin is going to stay behind? Or is it just implied? It's it's sort of implied when Jack looks over at them that he's telling her in that moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
uh, like we don't hear anything or anything, but he's sort of like crouched down talking to her. And so it's kind of implied that he was telling her just then. Gotcha. So Claire is also packing up. Hurley asks if she needs any help with the baby and she says no. Um, she tells the baby to hold on tight to him's mummy. And this is how I talk to my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, because he's like, your child. Yeah. <laughs> so they leave with Vincent and we see that Charlie left his ring in the crib with Aaron. And I am very sad. Ugh. I'm, I think I am mostly sad that Claire doesn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. But I also understand why it's important for her to not notice. Yeah. Because then she's going to just be worried the yeah. whole two next episodes and like probably try to go after him. Mm-hmm. So she can't know. Yeah. But God. But God, it hurts. There's like. But God, it hurts. It's, it's stab after stab after stab at the, near the end of yeah. this episode. Yeah. Ugh, it really hurts. The, the, how does, where's that song go? Another one bites the dust? No. Smash <laughs> the, Hey now, you're an all-star. The, yeah, the years start coming and they don't stop coming, but it's like. All that glitters. And they don't stop coming coming. and they don't stop coming. Punches start coming and they don't stop coming. So true. So Desmond and Charlie find the cable and get going. So from what I understand, they got on the outrigger and then paddled to this spot so they didn't have to walk along the beach and bring the the boat with them. Mm-hmm. And then once they got here, then they were able to follow the cord, the right. wire. Exactly. So I think this is the outrigger that Carl came in on, as far as I understand. Okay. And it, that's what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they had their own. I don't think they had a boat. Their own boat. Yeah, mm-hmm. until then. And they're just pulling it along. They're just pulling the wire to get to where they need to go. So they don't even need known, incredible, fantastic paddler, Hugo Hurley <laughs> Reyes. Uh, they don't even need him. He would have helped. Yeah, he certainly would have. Morale officer. Uh, and the thing is that, like, if you're pulling along that cable, what's the cable uh, attached to? What if you pull too hard and then it comes <laughs> undone? Like unplugged from wherever it's yeah. plugged into. And then what, imagine if they were just like, and then it just came unplugged and they were like, oh, hey, the like radio works. Wow. <laughs> and they just had to unplug the wire. No. Um, it's probably got some kind of like lock seal yeah, mechanism or whatever yeah. it's plugged into. Yeah. With um, a wire that big. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. But imagine you drop that cable by accident. Oh and my And you gotta God. go back and oh, start oh, over. Oh. I'm like, I'm practicing swimming to the bottom now. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go back. Right. <laughs> so in our last memory uh it's the first night after the crash charlie sees claire and she has her iconic claire little chin ouchie Mm -hmm. that she got and she had at the beginning of season one and he asks her if she needs a blanket and she's like no no i have one and he's like you also have a baby so you can also have mine and so she says thank you and he says oh is it your first plane crash and she's like "Ugh, how did you know it was my first plane crash (laughs) Ugh, the banter the banter, so incredible. So he's like, oh, you can always spot the people who are new at plane crashes. <laughs> you know, you'll get used to it. And so they say like, oh, we'll be okay. We're alive on this beautiful island and soon the helicopters will come and take us home. And the <laughs> use of the word helicopter. <gasps> when Desmond then says that the helicopter comes to save Claire and Aaron. That's evil. It hurts my heart. It's brutal. So she says, do you really think they'll find us? And he says, yeah, why wouldn't they? Yikes. So, first plane crash. What gave it away? Ah, you can always spot the newbies. <laughs> We're gonna be okay, you know. Are we? We're alive. We're on a beautiful island. We sleep under the stars, and before you know it, the helicopters will come and take us all home. You really think they'll find us? 
Oh, yeah, why wouldn't I? Thanks. I'm Charlie. I'm Claire. <laughs> nice to meet you, Charlie. It's nice to meet you. I mean, they don't know. Charlie, <gasps> like, wakes know. up the next day and goes and learns from the pilot that they're really far off course. And then they introduce themselves to each other. And he writes on his paper that the night I met you was the best day of his, or the best memory of his entire life. Oh, his life. His life. <sighs> this is so sad. It's devastating, dude. Ugh. It's a lot. I'm also, re- I was reminded in this moment when he's writing with this Sharpie and he like puts the period at the end of the sentence and he like holds it there for a little bit to be like, okay, now I'm done. You know, he spent this last mm-hmm. day of his life, as far as he understands, writing this thing and he yeah. holds the Sharpie there. And then it, you know, occurred to me the, I don't want to say parallel, but the symbolism or like the Symmetry? Charlie. Well, Charlie is very attached to Sharpies in my mind because he was writing with the Sharpie oh, on his right. face. Oh, yeah. in season one and everything so like charlie and sharpies are like connected for me so i like that he was writing it with a sharpie that makes sense yeah i like that that's just a little full circle yeah moment. he's he's very intentional mm-hmm. every time he uses them yeah 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 so they've gotten to the point where the cable instead of going forward now goes down so we are now in the spot and they look down and they can see oh what creepy things uh britney recently told us that she's like has this fear where like you can see um like things under the water it's like thassalophobia or yeah, something or something like that uh when i went to pearl harbor it was something that you could definitely see when you saw the ships underneath and you could see them from the top of the water mm-hmm. um and so i told her don't ever go to pearl harbor because it's just <laughs> covered in that but yeah so that kind of reminded me of what Brittany had been talking about recently what? That, like you can see the whole thing what like the fear of seeing things yeah it's like seeing things that are supposed to be outside of the water under the water like a uh, plane crashed planes obviously boats. um oh but not like like a fish no like no like no normal. like man-made objects underwater oh okay that makes a lot more sense because like being in pearl harbor was really like creepy because at some point like you went over top you could go over top of one of the ships or like the submarines or whatever it was i can't remember it was several years ago <laughs> that i went but and then like you you know they're teaching you at the museum saying we were unable to recover a lot of the people from the wreckage and you're looking down at the wreckage knowing that there are like dead bodies in there Oof, it was it was scary it was really, really creepy, but That's, obviously uh, went there to pay my respects to the people there. Sam is looking up the fear sub, here. So. Submechanophobia? Sub yeah, there's that, which is the machines underwater mm-hmm. thing. And then there's uh, thalassophobia, which is uh, just the fear of deep water in general, mm-hmm. um, which I think is very common, yeah. but um, is increased when like looking at photos of deep water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But basically, Charlie says, hey, I made this list. Can you please give it to Claire? It is the five best moments of my life. And he says it's like a sorry life. He didn't even think it was a very good life. (laughs) And my memories are everything that I have, everything I've got. Every, like, Charlie was really, really questionable in season two. But he truly does turn it around in season three. And, Mm -hmm. you know, similarly to, like, Jack does a lot of things. But by the end of season six, I truly love Jack. And Jack means a lot to me as a character. Mm -hmm. Um, In a similar way, like, Charlie really messed up in season two. Like, a lot. (laughs) But by the end of season three, you know, 
I'm able to look back at him and with like with love and care. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like right around this time, you start to realize how just like relatable Charlie is because mm. as much as we would love to see ourselves as like Saeed's or Hurley's, like a lot of us are Charlie's. Like mm-hmm. we really mess up. Yeah. Just trying our best. And we choose cowardice when we're faced with hard things. Like especially with this episode and when we see the moments that are the most important to charlie we realize just Mm -hmm. like how just like normal and human he is and like i don't know i just i it's especially in this episode it's like how can you not empathize with this man yeah it's like can i relate to a drugged up rock star not really. Not super. But then when you go into it. You're like, yeah, yeah actually I can. Person. Yeah. So after hearing De- Charlie's really sad monologue, Desmond's like, um, actually, you know what? You deserve to have a life that you're proud of. So why don't I go instead? Maybe I keep seeing you die because I'm supposed to die in your place. I think it's very interesting that it doesn't like occur to him to say this until now. Mm. But it's kind of like, I think until now he thought that maybe he wasn't going to let Charlie go through with it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And then he gets here and he's like, yeah, no, I can't let you do it. Mm -hmm. And Charlie has the right idea. Like, you know, what Desmond learned in Flashes Before Your Eyes is that like, no matter what, it's meant to, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And so if Desmond went and sacrificed himself like that, Charlie would just die in another way. Yeah. Likely, likely following Desmond down, you know? It's, uh, it's giving, uh, Final Destination and then a little bit. And they both be dead. <laughs> yeah. Just the, in the way that the concept of the Final Destination movie is that several people are supposed to die in an accident and then they don't. Mm. Um, and so death keeps chasing them. Yeah. Until it catches them. Yeah. And that's what it feels like for Charlie here. Mm-hmm. I feel like, when did those come out? Uh, I think the first one was before Lost. Okay. You know what? Um, I honestly think that it could have been a genuine homage probably if so 2006 or 2007 if they're earlier than that then they probably were yeah the first one came out in 2000 oh yeah i would think so then i bet that's definitely something that damon would do yeah there there were three Uh by the by 2006 yeah yeah i definitely think that's probably true yeah cool so charlie says okay but what about penny and desmond says okay but what about claire we both have girlfriends oh man (laughs) boy So Desmond's like, I might be luckier, I'll do it. Um, is this not romantic? Like, why did they keep, like, looking (laughs) up at each other and, like, chuckling a little bit and looking away? I'm just like, are you guys, like, gonna kiss? What's happening? I, like, totally understand where you guys land on this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, while I see the connection, I don't see it as romantic. But I think that's probably just because I ship Desmond and Penny so Mm -hmm, hard. mm -hmm. But I do, I definitely, there's so much affection, probably even just between the actors. Yeah. That the scene is very warm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Desmond has a lot of, uh, like, even if, I don't know why Charlie would have, like, that much of a connection to to Desmond as much, which Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense as to why Desmond would be like, actually, Charlie, I want to save you, because he had that whole vision with Charlie in it, and Charlie is, like, kind of like a constant for him, you know, in a a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, you know, Desmond feels a really big connection to Charlie that Charlie might not even reciprocate reciprocate as much, Um, but that's why Desmond sort of stands up for him. Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie is able to get Desmond to like turn around the other way to get the weight belt. So he knocks him out with an 
or we did not make it one episode without a knockout for our knockout counter. Zero episodes since the last knockout. <laughs> um, I will say when I watched this, I think that it's very funny how quickly people go down on TV. Yeah. Oh, Again, yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't also go down. I probably would, but it just seems easy. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I worry that I would have to be hit in the head multiple times for if someone was trying to knock me out and then I would just be in pain. <laughs> yeah. They would just be like, um, this is not very cinematic. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> so he puts the list in Desmond's pocket, hope, hoping that he will give it to Claire. And he says, we both know that's supposed to be me. And Desmond just sort of like felt bad for him. Yeah. And Charlie calls him brother, which is beautiful. Ugh, it's and, so good. And Charlie stands up there to get going. And he cries before jumping in because he doesn't know that it's not flooded. And he thinks that he is genuinely taking the very last breath that he will ever take. It's devastating. I can't help but completely relate to that moment of him beginning to cry because like, I can't imagine knowing that you're making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. It- Ugh. I, I, I don't know. I just don't have words, which isn't very useful for an audio podcast, <laughs> but it's just like, ouch. This episode yeah. is so good. It's very, very well written. Very well done. Dominic, yeah. this is like Dominic's crowning jewel on oh, this show. Yeah. And I think he just does such a good job. Um, and then he loses one of his iconic shoes. And I cannot imagine Charlie without his checkered shoes. This Oh, that shot is so haunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This specific shade of the water, though, is definitely giving a Nirvana album cover. Mm-hmm. And, like, that could be on purpose because Maybe. he's a, like... Rocker. Rock star. Yeah. Yeah, knowing loss, it is a... It is on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his shoes were always a black and white reference, a dark and light reference as well. That was always part of it. Nice. So he gets up there and he's like, oh my God, it's not flooded. And he screams, I'm alive, thinking no one's freaking down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be looking around and be like, well, there's lots of things to make a new weight belt out of. So I'm definitely going to be able to get out of here. <laughs> but then two women with guns run out and plot twist and cliffhanger. <laughs> and there it is. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah. It's all, folks. Fantastic. Fantastic penultimate episode before a finale. Yeah, no, uh, it's such a good episode. I like that it's a little bit different in format than a standard episode of Lost. Yeah. In that you're watching two different stories happen in two timelines. Mm -hmm. You're watching a singular timeline and then getting moments to fill out a full character Mm -hmm. instead of like, this is a collection of time over like a small space. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably why this episode is probably in my top 10, if not five. Yeah. So now it's time for segments. Um, Our first segment is our favorite line award. Uh, my favorite line award, of course, <laughs> has to go to Sawyer and Carl for... Because when your people show up here tomorrow night, we're going to be ready for them. Tomorrow? No. No, they're coming tonight. They're coming right now! Oh, it's so good! So iconic. It's yeah. so good. One thing that I noticed about Carl that I forgot to mention was in that scene between him and Alex when she comes to see him and stuff, he like has this voice that like, I don't know how to explain it, but it kind of reminds me of like an old timey movie. <laughs> <laughs> like he has this sort of like, well, I thought, I thought they were just going to take the pregnant women. Like he kind of like oh, has that. Willikers, yeah, mister. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but he kind of just has this voice of like, I'm a teen boy from an old Western. I don't know. <laughs> But I love it. I love Carl. This is very cute. And my favorite line award goes to Nadia for... You are a hero, sir. And don't let anyone ever tell you differently. Oh. Because 
you know that people constantly tell Charlie. They, they've said it multiple times on this thing that, mm-hmm. that he, I, you know, it reminds me of in season one, the episode was Homecoming, uh, in the flashback when Lucy is telling him, you will never be able to take care of anything. Yes. And that you're a coward and that mm-hmm. you're yeah. not capable. And it's like, she just completely validates him in that moment. And it's so beautiful. Which is why it's no- his number two favorite. Yeah. And like before he met Claire, it was number one. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, that just really I like didn't even think about that. That just really hurt me <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> uh and my favorite line award goes to Carl and Juliet for She's a spy. She's supposed to mark the tents of the pregnant women with white rocks so they can take them. They know, Carl. But thanks. Uh, thanks, Carl. <laughs> yeah, like, we get it, man. Thanks. They already thanks, knew. Perfect. So our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Today we're talking about Charlie. I think that Charlie often leans on the faith side because he is a man of, of faith and he uh, we've seen him in a church and he does have religion. Uh-huh. And I would probably put him there. You know, he's put, he's putting the faith that if I do this, that, yeah. that you know, Desmond's flash will come true. And uh, so I think that Charlie is a man of faith this episode. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I fully agree. I think that part of his journey is like contending with whether he's a man of science or man of faith like but definitely by the end and by this episode he's he's fully just leaning into the faith side and yeah you know what will be will be and I also I think it takes a lot of faith in Desmond and in the hope and belief that Claire and Aaron make it out of here Mm -hmm. for him to be able to make the decision that he makes yeah yeah and I think that's that's kind of the whole purpose of his journey is like learning to to trust that things will be okay and that like if he if he has faith to do something bold that it will pay off. Uh, our next segment is Hurley's Walkman. Uh, so a 1967 song by the Hollies, uh, Carrie Ann, is played in the background when young Charlie stands near the swimming pool. Carrie Ann by the Hollies. Thank you. Alright, alright. Uh, did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode. Yes, it was said twice. Amazing. Hell yeah. It's a new album? Yeah. God, it was everywhere. A greatest hits thing. Five best moments of my sorry excuse for my life. My greatest hits. How many episodes since the last knockout? Goose egg. We did not make it one episode. We did not make it one episode. Desmond uh, had it coming. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you can't you can't back out on him after he's come all this way yeah. to make him not do it. He would never live with himself. He yeah. has to knock you he out. To try. Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? I don't think so. Uh, uh no. I like do not believe so. Three women. And they're all in scenes with men. Yeah. Yeah, I straight up just don't think so. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a regular segment in our Lost podcast, but Sam has a segment that's on a bunch of our other podcasts uh, that you want to yeah. put in. Yeah. Um, I have a segment on our other podcast called What is Sam Shipping the Most? Because um, a lot of the reason that I watch TV is because of relationships. So what am I shipping the most in this episode is obviously Charlie and Claire. Uh, oh, so cute. Yes. Love it. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please 
be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. It's true. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Uh, thank you to Brittany for hanging out in her room while we recorded this. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you are so inclined, write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That'd be great. Yeah. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we did seasons uh, four to seven as they were airing and we're going back to do the good old days. So that, that podcast includes me and Sam. So if you're interested in more Bird and Sam, that's where you can find <laughs> that. Do you want to talk about our Stranger Things podcast? I would love to talk about our Stranger Things podcast. Um, it is actually probably my favorite podcast to talk on. Um, and I would say of the our other podcasts, it is the most similar to this one. Mm. It's probably not as long, but I do feel we have similar, like, smart ideas over there. And, um, and just, like, a real range of, like, we're dissecting what's going on in this incredible science fiction universe and also talking about whether the characters smell good so it's yeah. like it's a it's a big range of uh, of content on that one mm-hmm. and i just really love it um stranger things is one of my favorite shows and we have a lot of fun we've covered yeah. all the episodes that are out so far we're really excited for season four yeah uh the first half will be out and so i believe that on that feed we will have our first thoughts and feelings on the first half of season four that will be oh available God. Um, when this episode comes out so, so crazy. Uh, go check it out. I'm so excited. Lots so and prayers for future us yeah. who have watched it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, we have done an episode for every single episode of Riverdale. That's right. We're watching Riverdale so that you don't have to. You do not have to watch Riverdale <laughs> to listen to the podcast. And we'd really appreciate it if you check it out. If you check it out. If you check it out. <laughs> if you check it out. Check it out. The podcast. <laughs> no, thank you. You can follow at the Affectionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, mostly Twitter, but Robin makes gifts of our favorite line awards on Tumblr and they're delightful. So check that out. It's true. Thank you. <laughs> our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Affectionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it is expensive. It's free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make. So um, we would love your help over there. Uh, I mentioned a lot of really cool things that you can get. If you can't do that, check out the places that um, Brittany, Casey, and I sell stuff. That's another way to support us. And if not, just recommend us to a friend or check out our other podcasts. You guys are the best. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. And you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y Watches TV. You can do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's all in the description. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Wow. Thank you for having me. Tell us, where was, can we follow you? It was such a long walk from my desk to the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M C-I-S-E-Y-S. Um, and you can find me editing articles at Collider all day long. Oh, she's a star. Yeah. Check out the description for more information. <laughs> so our next episode is episode 322 because these seasons are so long. <laughs> uh, Through the Looking Glass part one, we're going to be having our friend Dave on who is at 1701 Trekkie on Twitter. And like I said earlier this episode and last episode, uh, it will include spoilers for both parts of the finale. So if you're watching along with us for the first time, watch both parts of the finale before listening to the next episode. Do it. All right. Thank you so much. Yay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay. Love you. Bye. Let's see here. What do I got? What do I got? What do I got?
You know, it is the last Charlie episode, so uh, there's not a lot. My only thing, like, the only... Um, oh, you want spoilers? Uh, Charlie dies. thing that I thought was a spoiler was not a spoiler, so... Yeah. <laughs> what, what, were you, what did you say? I said the only thing that I thought was a spoiler was not a spoiler because it's oh, already yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have, like, Desmond says that his flash is, Char- is Claire and Aaron getting on a helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as we know, like, Charlie basically does everything that he's supposed to do, and this does not happen. Like, Claire and Aaron, like, Aaron gets on the helicopter, but Claire doesn't. That's right. So, oh my god. Um, something else must have changed in the in interim. what happens. Yeah. Well, I guess- Oh my god. Maybe Desmond wasn't supposed to go down with, with him. With him, yeah. And maybe they weren't supposed to know that it wasn't, it wasn't Penny's boat. Yeah, maybe. Oh my god. Because otherwise then Claire would have gone. <gasps> Why did I not think of that? <laughs> she fully also, does not you... get on the helicopter. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Um, I know that you guys will probably talk about it in the spoiler section of the next two mm-hmm. episodes, Um, but I do think that it's uh, really emotional and moving that Desmond does eventually name his child Charlie. Yeah. Oh, um, and so like having that knowledge in the context of this scene is a little bit like romance, romance. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy because you're like, I know that this child is named Charles, and so mm-hmm. not only is he named after Charlie, but he's also named after Penny's dad. I was wild. Hates. Yeah. So it's crazy that um, Desmond was like, "Can we name our child Charlie?" And she was like, "You want to name him after my dad?" And he probably had to like try real hard for her to be like, "I guess we can name him that." <laughs> it's like, no, 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 the friend, the friend. Yeah. <laughs> So we see Bernard getting to be one of the shooters here. And one of the shooters next episode, if not part two, messes up and is the reason why they get, why they get captured and it doesn't completely work. Why they get caught. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that I love that it's not Bernard. It would have been so easy for them to make it. It's the old guy. The old guy is the reason why it got messed up. And it's not. It's Jin, somebody who has already proven himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, that was just a mistake on Jin. If it was Bernard, we'd be like, ugh, Bernard, why'd you even pick Bernard? You know what I mean? But like, and and especially after seeing him so proud of like trying so hard. Yeah. I just, I just really liked that it was, wasn't Bernard who messed it up, you know? I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also still sad that it's Jen, yeah. but like, yeah. I might hurt your feelings again with this, sorry, you guys. Run! Um, but the moment where he's saying goodbye to Hurley and he says, I'll catch up with you later. It really makes me think about how Hurley starts, once he leaves the island, starts having visions of Charlie and starts seeing Charlie again out off the island. Jail for Robin for <laughs> 1,000 years. <laughs> The next thing is that Charlie left his ring in the crib with Aaron, and this ring is not found until the end of season five when Sun finds it. That's insane. I was going to say, I don't remember what happens to the ring, but now that that dropped my memory. Quite literally, just Sun finds it. Um, I do not believe that Claire ever gets it. Oh, uh, I think that Sun and holds onto it. And she never gets the note either. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get the note because uh, next episode, Desmond, not knowing it's in his pocket, jumps mm-hmm. into the water and it's destroyed. Oof. Um, yeah. As far as I know, Sun held on to the ring until her death. Um, and so Claire never even hurt. knew that Charlie gave it to him. I'm in pain. I mean, she doesn't have, I don't think, a long time between when she finds it and it's when true. she dies. And and Claire at that point has gone a little nutso in season six. Yeah. A little. So it's like, even if she, I, I wonder, you know, I wouldn't really want to approach Claire at that point, <laughs> to be honest, but I wonder if she had been like, hey, I found this and it was from Charlie. Maybe it would have like grounded her a little bit more. You know what I mean? I don't know if it would have grounded her or even sent her like further. Yeah, that's in true. The spiral that yeah, she was in. There's, there's a risk there. That's honestly all I've got. A lot of the spoilers are in regards to what's about to happen. So yeah. Yeah. Um, 
thinking, I'm thinking. Yeah, I think everything is is really just finale. Mm-hmm. Good to go? I think so. Okay. Um. Once again, Sam, thanks for joining us. Uh, <laughs> You're so welcome. I know you were so thrilled. You were like, I get to be on a podcast and I didn't have to do any work. All, <laughs> I, all she did was rewatch I just the had episode to be she here. Yeah. Uh, once again, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. Uh, Casey, Casey Watches TV. Sam, Sam Casey's. You can find all this information in the description. Uh, at The Aficionados all over the place. Patreon.com slash The Aficionados. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you guys are the best. Truly. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! I thought you were bringing rabbit.